0: Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the one, the only, episode 69 of Ruse Radio.
1: We have... no shit. No shit. Wow, nice. Congratulations, my friend. This is the biggest accomplishment of my life, I would say. Episode
0: 69. Yes. We had Caleb Nettles on, on episode 68, and he told me that you specifically would be
1: happy to hear that you were episode 69. He was not wrong. No, yeah, I mean, it's like, you can't complain about that. It's like a milestone landmark achievement, I think.
0: Well, and and not everybody, you know what? It's not that not everybody gets it. It's that nobody else gets it. It's just you. No one else can be <laughs> episode 69 now. It, it is a landmark
1: achievement. Yeah, we can't rewrite history and just change the numbers around. It'll no. be too confusing.
0: No, and it's it's done. It is done. As I said it, it is spoken. You see what I'm saying? It's already... T- like, even if we stop this episode right now, you were 69. Right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter how short or long this goes. This is 69. We can close the history books and move on. Look forward to episode 420, maybe, which is going to take a while, probably, oh, but... Oh,
0: shit, man. You're right. That's my next fun number. <laughs> Damn it. I got nothing in between. Like Maybe some angel numbers, and that's
1: it. Yeah, it depends how, like, into numerology you are. Maybe you could find, like, cool numbers. But 69, everyone knows... 69 and 420, it's
0: popular. Yeah, those both. are the <laughs> two ones, Th- that, those and then like 1,000, 69, 420, <laughs> 1, and
1: 1,000. Yeah, like 100 is a pretty good accomplishment too, or like 500, not as like cool, like meaning wise, but yeah. like in terms of just longevity, yes. that's an accomplishment, right? Yes, and, and
0: speaking of 100, that's the goal is by the end of the year, we'll hit 100. So 420 nice. is within a couple years reach.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. It's right around the corner.
0: 420 is always right around the corner, depending on how you look at it. I mean, you could say it's, it's. you could go by the time of day, you could go by the time of year. Yeah. Because I, for, for, for me, when 420 rolls around year-wise, uh, it's a very, very special time when 4.20 p.m. rolls around on 4.20 day. You know? like It's yeah. it's, it's like when you double up on the 4.20s. That's when they're really valuable. <laughs> like, I want you to watch episode 4.20 of my podcast at 4.20 on 4.20. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That would just, the world would explode. It would be too much, I think.
0: <laughs> that I would explode. That is singularity, my friends. That is what will happen. You, you will approach singularity too quickly and you will combust into nothing if you try and do that. That's my theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not a human being, and I wanted to talk to you mm-hmm. about that. Oh, okay. So I've heard that you're a cosmic alien.
1: A cosmic alien, yeah. Uh, some people think. <laughs> yeah, some people <laughs> might think that. I guess uh, some people accuse me it's of being like said. robotic uh, in certain ways. Uh, a lot of people think I'm I'm weird. I guess uh, I've been told that. I don't think I'm that weird. I think I'm just like pretty much just a regular guy. I would say. Um, I don't think I'm that weird.
0: I don't think I'm that weird. I think I'm autistic.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm probably arguably like a little bit on the spectrum. I've never been like diagnosed or anything. So I don't want to like sit here and play armchair psychologist in my very nice armchair. But, you know. Love seat psychologist. I do. I do get very like with music in particular, you know, I would get very obsessed and like particular about certain things. And then in other aspects of my life, I just I say weird things. I don't think they're weird. But other people are like, why would you say that? So I think that's yeah. why
0: I could be a comedian because I have that trait. <laughs> because I know that I have that trait. But the weird thing about having that trait is that like, you don't do it on purpose. <laughs> so you can't... Yeah. It's hard to do it as an act because I'm not doing anything. <laughs> it's hard to do it as an act. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just show up as yourself and start talking and then that's it. That's the show. I do, well, are you familiar with Theo Vaughn at all? Uh, I am not, sadly. He's
0: one of my favorite comedians and it's, I swear that's his whole bit. I think that he's... I think that, because he was on The Real World years and years ago, but he was just kind of a a, he's a very particular odd guy Like, and his comedy plays into that and so I wonder, I think everybody wonders how much of it is him playing into the character and then how much of it is actually who he is and it's probably just who he is it's probably not, it's like we we were talking about, it's probably just that he's so much that guy that everyone's just thought
1: he's, you know, that reminds (laughs) me of like, uh, I don't know if you're like a a Nathan Fielder fan or like Nathan For You and his new show that the name Escapes Me Now the rehearsal that was on HBO just like that guy's personality is just like he just seems so like dry all the time that it's just like is he actually like acting or is I think that's just how he is in real life but it's like fucking hilarious I I just love it I
0: think it's exactly what I'm saying though I think it's both. I think he's playing into oh, yeah. the fact that he's always been that dude. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, well if I'm that dude, I'm going 100%. Yeah. He definitely
1: <laughs> put some thought into it, no doubt, but I, it's definitely just like him as well, which is great. I, I love great. that style of comedy. Yeah.
0: yeah. Which, I mean, what do you um what 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 episodes of that that show do you like the most? I haven't seen a, a whole bunch of it.
1: Nathan for you? Yeah. Oh, fuck, dude. It's, there's so many good ones. Like, I like binged them all a couple years ago, so I mean, just like dumb Starbucks, and he's just like, "Oh, we're gonna call it dumb Starbucks instead of regular Starbucks." It was like a struggling coffee shop because his whole shtick is like, he helps struggling businesses by coming up with some like ridiculous idea and then like convinces the owners, you know, like this is the way you need to go. Oh, we'll call it dumb Starbucks because that's gonna attract people. Or like, there was an ice cream shop. It's so like we need to make like poop, co- uh, poop flavored ice cream, or just call it, say that's poop flavored. And that's going to get people through the door and, I don't know. Just, well, what's just, like, so funny about and... this show
0: is people do, like, it, it, his ideas work mm-hmm. most of the time. Like, he's not even wrong. Yeah. People will show up if you make <laughs> a
1: poop-flavored ice cream. <laughs> I certainly would. I don't know if it actually tasted like poop or if it was just, like, called that. I can't remember that much. But, yeah, just it's just a great show. It's...
0: Yeah. I, I think there's something really smart about that type of comedy. I think that's why I like it so much. It's like it's, um, because him in particular, I don't know if you're familiar with Andy Kaufman, but Andy Kaufman mm-hmm. is one of my ultimate inspirations when it comes to performance in general. I just think Andy Kaufman, he illustrated that the way that you work an audience is beyond just getting them to cheer for you. It's like any reaction, as long as you are evoking it. Is part of the art and he was he just illustrated that better than any other Performer I've ever seen and he was the first person to really troll audiences like that I, I, You're are you not familiar with any because if not um, i would definitely recommend looking into him.
1: I'm like a li- isn't that uh, J- Like Jim Carrey made a movie man on the moon. Yeah, yes, that was yep I'm a li- yep. I'm a little bit familiar with him now super I did watch some of like his little videos after I watched that movie Or like the documentary on that movie. I can't remember which one it was, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's this very odd guy. Had no specific style of comedy. He was just like up there.
0: No one even knew who he really (laughs) was. That's how nonspecific he was. He was just, he would go out and his bit would be... Like there's he had a few letterman appearances. And on the last one, he just started begging for money at the very end. He started going <laughs> out to the audience and begging them for money <laughs> after he told this really sad story about how, like he's like it's 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 it, it it what's so genius about it is that you fall for his bits. Like in that bit, he starts to tell this super sad story. And it's like he he's probably pulling from real- life experience. He probably is somewhat sad and then he goes up and starts begging people for money at the end so it's like there's still a punch but it's beyond comedy at a certain point it becomes right. something else and i just i think that the thought behind the performances and the thought behind somebody like that is is what attracts me to them and that's why i like people like nathan fielder because it's this it to me it's almost similar it's kaufman-esque it's like Mm -hmm. he's showing up and he is being that guy the whole time it's not like they turn off the camera and he starts acting different i'm i'm sure that he's acting like that the whole time he's with them
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty much
0: yeah and and it's it's like you know at a certain point what is the character maybe he just truly is that character like even if he wasn't now he is, because that's right. what he always
1: does. Yeah. At some, <laughs> at some point, the way you act is just what you are, I guess. Yeah. Unless, I don't know. So you must be an alien then. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, getting back to that. So I must be an alien, because that's just how I act all the time. Yeah. It's becoming too real.
0: I'm all right <laughs> with it if I'm an alien. I mean, if, if if a bunch of people told me I was one to the point where I couldn't deny it anymore... I think I can handle that.
2: But could you? Could you handle the stress of alienation, the everyday mind-boggling nature of the universe? Can you do it? I don't know if you can. Some of us, it's very difficult to do such a thing. So what do we do? We find natural ways to help with that. And guys, I've got the thing for you today. Let me tell you about today's sponsor, CBD F- that's right CBDFX is out here making it real easy for you to get your CBD they got it in gummy format they got it in tinctures they got it in oils and what does CBD do exactly? it makes you feel better in every way shape and form I'm talking you sleep better I'm talking you feel better after you work out I'm talking your mind just feels better when you are laying back chilling in your own filth it's what you want it's what you need CBD for all the boys and girls so if you are jumping out of your seat right now I have gotten news for you. If you go to the link in our description, you can get $20 off your first order of $65 or more. That is right, folks. $20 off your first order of $65 or more. What do you say? Don't you want some CBD? I know I do now. Anyway, yeah,
0: I think I could be an alien. I think so, because there's not much wrong with being an alien. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) There's not much wrong with it. (laughs) No, there's a lot of uniqueness in there. You know, like, yeah, there's some downsides, but, like, for the most part, you got it pretty good. A lot of people can't say that, just like they can't be number 69.
1: No, no, they cannot. Uh, a- an alien number 69, you know. I mean, <laughs> alien I, On my planet, uh, on every planet, I think 69 is celebrated. It seems like a, it's a universal, universal thing. Really? I don't know.
0: Bro, I just got an idea <laughs> for a new single, Planet 69. Planet 69 really good <laughs> i i am i don't even got to write it down because i just recorded it on a podcast so if anybody steals that idea i know where it came from because i know that's not out there <laughs> no way no way planet 69 exists no i don't think so the more i think about it the more it might the more there's somebody somebody that it sounds like a thought that somebody could have had but I, I don't know i'm kind of a i'm an alien so i'm an alien see aliens have different thoughts i think that's why that, that's what makes us aliens, is that we're so different. I think that's what happens, is you get so uh, proficient at being an alien that you forgot what the humans even do.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, I think the definition of alien is just, like, anything that's, like, sort of foreign or different doesn't necessarily mean you have to be from another planet. Now Mm. you could be, right? That's more, like, extraterrestrial, like, non-human was, like, physically a different being from another planet or dimension or place whereas alien like you said it could just be you just have weird thoughts or you just do and say weird things create art or something that's different than normal this is
0: interesting so this whole time i've been thinking about it like an actual extraterrestrial but you're right in somewhat of a literal sense we uh, we can still be aliens
1: i mean yeah for sure i mean unless like we could be from another planet like i don't (laughs) have it's still possible (laughs) i don't have 100% proof that i'm not But, I mean... Me neither. So, yeah.
0: My mom says, but...
1: I don't remember when I was born. I don't fucking know, man.
0: Did they record it? (laughs) Probably not. I I doubt it.
1: (laughs) I need to see a video (laughs) of me coming out. Yeah. For me to know. (laughs) I'm not sure if I want to watch that or not. But, yeah. I mean, maybe it would be kind of cool. That's a great question. If you could
0: watch yourself being born, would you? Man, that might be the podcast. Every person I bring in
1: here, I might ask them that. I mean, you'd have to see, like, your mom's (laughs) vagina. So, it would be kind of weird... Exactly. That's, That's the, the the existential crisis you have <laughs> when you face that question. <laughs> it's like That's ex- I mean, beyond that, I guess it could be kind of cool to watch. But then it's like, whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't I know if I ever like specifically sought out like a video to, like to watch a baby be born straight out of a... like because everyone's like that has a kid. like, oh, such a beautiful, interesting experience or whatever. And it's like, I don't really want kids, so I'm probably not going to have that. But so if I want to like see it, I guess I'm going to have to like. Do more research right yeah I or just so. look up more videos which just sounds like kind of fucked up like it should like it's like someone's weird kink or something but it's that's, that's not to trust me for not for me but yeah <laughs> you, know, you know what turns me on <laughs> listen baby vaginal, give me- <laughs> birth. vaginal birth. just look at how much that can stretch oh
0: my god oh what the hell dude no i'm into the c-sections oh, c-sections yeah, yeah, yeah. all the way
1: Way more, way hotter. Something about <laughs> that blade, bro. <laughs> this conversation really, <laughs> took a, it really took a turn.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, that is, uh, that's an interesting one, though, for real. That's an interesting one, because I think the only people that actually seek that out would have to be, like, doctors. Yeah. Like, it, it, you know what's funny, too, is as you were saying that, I had the thought, like, I, as a kid, I watched grotesque things. Like that's true, I, I yeah. saw the worst of the internet, but the one like thing the- I didn't see was childbirth. Now, yeah. I've seen people get their heads taken off of their bodies, and I've never oh, once okay. seen a baby come out of a woman.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it happens so often, you you know, people don't think about it, but it, it can be probably pretty grotesque, I imagine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which one?
1: Both? Both. <laughs> no, just childbirth in general. It, like, it's got Also, gotta be. heads coming off. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's obvious. Obviously, two girls, one cup, pain Olympics, those were like the standards of my childhood that I both watched. I don't know if i had a super hardcore like w- needed to watch gore phase maybe a, like a, me and my friend dylan maybe i think ventured into that like slightly for a while when that stuff was cool but yeah gave so, up on it so I guess. how
0: long did you last do you think
1: how long it, in the gore core phase? yeah the gore core phase oh i don't know man it's like the internet was just even like just starting to work back then when i was 14 or whatever it was so like I don't know. I didn't even really have high speed internet until I was like in my 20s at my house, personally, just because I lived in fucking the middle of nowhere. And like we had like dial up until I was like fucking 10th grade, probably. It's probably a or blessing 11th. in
0: disguise. Yeah,
1: or 11th grade. Then we got like, I don't know what the fuck it was, like Verizon, like 4G or 3G internet or whatever it was at the time. And it had like data limits. It was horrible. Mm. And uh, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> I just lived a real natural life. I mean, obviously, I had, I had internet and stuff, so, but it wasn't the same as now, for sure. It's just like, everything's high speed, there's way more websites, everything, like, Google works better, you know? The internet's
0: so. weird now, man. It's weird because we're so used to it. That's what's so weird about it, is, is like, is, and you got to hold on to more of your humanity for longer than a lot of us because of Probably. That's why I call it a blessing in disguise. It, it's just, it sucks that, to me, it, it sucks, but it's, we have to accept the environment we're in and just work with it, but it's not... It's not ideal. Like, I actually would much prefer the world of 20 years ago where people, you know, liked talking to each other
1: in yeah. person. Yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming more un- unbalanced in the other way. Yeah. Where uh, the technology is replacing the, uh, the humanity, as you say. Although, since we're aliens, we shouldn't really have to care about that too much. But, you know, for everyone else out there... You
0: Self-check. guys, we'll For be out know. of here. We'll we'll have a, we have a game plan. I don't know about you guys. We're just kind of sad to see it come to an end because we were having a good time with you guys. And yeah, as an alien, it's kind of tough because I do enjoy the humans, and I'm disappointed to see the humans squander their potential. I think humans are, can do more. I think humans can do a lot more than than what they're doing. And I think like when you when you use too much technology, you just don't do more. It just you naturally don't. Because it's like, well, why would I? Why would I? I got this car that can drive me all the way across the city. I'm not going to ride a bike. You're crazy. And so you just start to stop doing certain things. And that's why I say it's like we got to accept it. We can't go back. We can't go back. We can just fly to Planet 69 and
1: hope that's better. Yeah, I mean, even just like playing with your phone and like how easy. Like you can read things on your phone, educate yourself, entertain yourself, whatever. But it's like it just replaces like doing any other hobby that you could do with that time. That's so easy. It's just in your pocket, it's so easy to, to pull it out. I know. I mean fuck, even working on music and just doing other important things or like reading a book. I don't know, going outside. Instead you're just gonna be like, oh, I'll just sit on my phone and sit on like a chair for an hour mm-hmm. instead of doing something else.
0: So, and the yeah. hour I think goes by a lot faster on the phone than it would if you were doing a more meaningful activity. Like that's mm-hmm. that's one thing I've observed with myself is I'll sit there and I'll feel like okay, I'm just gonna use this for a minute. And then, dude, boom, 45 minutes later, I'm like, oh, my God, it's been 45 minutes and I did nothing like nothing useful happened just now. And and so, yeah, with what you just said, that's uh, that's been a big, 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 big thing for me lately is just like I need to get myself away from this thing. I need to I need to strictly limit myself to like this is a tool. This is how I promote what I do. Beyond that, I shouldn't be scrolling. I shouldn't be doing none of this because I feel myself (laughs) falling away as I'm doing it, man. It's bad. And and, and I'm glad I'm being self-aware, but I just wonder how many of us are when it comes to all that. It's, It's so easy to fall into it. Yeah. I do it, and I know what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, and I, I, I feel like
0: you might be better off than me because you had more time without it. I wish I hadn't gotten into social media when I was in like... Maybe,
1: yeah, maybe. Grade. I mean, I had like MySpace back then. That's not like... I do feel like, you know, I'm probably a little bit older new, but so I, I did have a good balance of like growing up. I did, wasn't like handed an iPad when I was like three
0: well, even with you the know. internet thing you describe, and I mean, internet, that does yeah. keep you a little bit away from it when you can't yeah. access a lot of stuff. But the the uh, the iPad when you're three thing is, is big, <laughs> bro. These kids nowadays. That's and and that's why I say like it's it's progressing because they're being programmed completely different than we were. We yeah, because I might be a little bit more technological than you might have been, and then the person three years after me is more yeah. three years after me. So like if you're born. In the year 2023, I can mm-hmm. only imagine what you're going to be when you're
1: 20. It's actually funny is because I think kids that grow up with, like, iPads and, like, phones actually don't know how to use computers anymore. Really? I don't know. I think that's a thing, though, because, like, they don't know to type as fast because, like, oh. it's, like, less, like, I needed a computer when I was a kid because they didn't, like, smartphones and iPads didn't really exist. or Like, the first iPhone, like, maybe came out when I was, like, a senior or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's like, I'm actually pretty good with computers and technology and all that shit and like typing and like understanding how to find files and, you know, use logic or whatever I need to do on a computer. Whereas I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just making shit up. This is totally just like a made up thing. But I think it's sort of true that people actually are forgetting how to use computers properly. Which may or may not be important to their jobs or their lives. It just depends. But Because uh, we're, we're more reliant on the, the touch screen and the and the phone now, and just do, using that for everything.
0: That's interesting. I believe that, because I mean, I think that, like, I think people are very, very used to having some type of, like, a touchscreen or, or tablet or iPad, and 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 having a computer is seen more as, like,
1: a... It's like, oh, what do you need a computer for? Like, yeah. I can do that all on my phone. Like, what's, what's the point of that? It's almost becoming, like, a luxury. Like, you need it, like, only if you are, like, an artist or something. Like, you're doing something specifically you need that extra, like, power and, like, a big screen for... Whereas before, it was like, oh, yeah, I have a computer because I need to check my email. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> now it's like, I don't need a fucking computer to check my email. Like, I don't know. Oh, I or even see play exactly a game. what you're saying. So
0: it's like the practicality of it doesn't even make sense anymore.
1: No, it's like it's like seen as, like, extra, I feel like. Yeah. In, the, in this day and age to have a computer.
0: Yeah. You know what? That's definitely true, at least with, like, what my family's house was like growing up because she, most houses I imagine had desktop computers inside of the living room or something like that. and Nowadays, you definitely don't see it as often. And I know for a fact, like, I was the reason, I was the one who took the computer out of that house and then no other one was introduced, so. Yeah, there would
1: be lot of, like, laptops and stuff that I feel like, you know, I don't use them as often. Or, like, kids in school need them for, like, writing papers, I guess. This is kind of a bitch to write a paper on your phone. Like, I, for me, like, since you're a writer too, see, I find this interesting about, like, writing in general, I'm, <laughs> the way my brain works when I type on a phone is different than when I type on a keyboard versus when I talk, basically, versus when I write as well, like physically. I find that I enjoy writing on a key like a computer keyboard the best because I can type really fast. Like I'm, I'm a pretty good typer. Whereas on a phone, it's like slower. It doesn't like keep up with my thoughts as well. And then like, handwriting i'm just like i don't know like i don't know how to spell shit half the time or like it's just like it's it's like a different connection some people you know like different things but i find that my best work where i feel most comfortable if i'm writing if i like sit on my computer and use like a keyboard because it's like the easiest to edit and like the fastest for me to like get out my thoughts i don't know
0: I agree with that. I mean, when I'm writing a song, I like to write them on the computer, but it just pisses me off when I'm mobile <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck were those lyrics? I can't, I can't right. pull them yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well,
1: actually, I since I have a iPhone and an iMac, there's like a notes app and it's actually connected between my phone and the so computer. Jealous.
0: I am so jealous of that. <laughs>
1: So, yeah. Holy
0: shit! Am I jealous of you right now? <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a way you could probably rig that with, uh, you know, whatever system you're using, Dude, with like I a, some sort of cloud system. I am taking pictures
0: of my fucking lyrics. <laughs> just all so have them with me. <laughs> you're right, though. There's probably some type of integration um, that I can do on a Windows.
1: Not to say that I don't ever just you know use my phone to write lyrics or anything like that, but I think there is like a different uh, way of writing or thought. Like some people are like purists, or like they like a. People used to, like, old writers just write on, like, typewriters or whatever, which is similar to, like, a keyboard, I guess. But then, like, you couldn't fuck up, you know, Mm -hmm. unless you use Whiteout, which (laughs) I'm constantly backstacing and changing things. And, like, the syntax, if I write something, like, on a computer, because I'm, like, I don't know. I have a degree, like, in philosophy and creative writing. So I like certain, like, if I'm actually going to try to write something, like, good, I'm going to, like, sit there and think about it. I'm, like, no, do I need to change the order, like, the syntax around So it, like, flows better, let alone, like, the vocab and all that. But, yeah. I find, like, when I talk out loud, it's, like, it just kind of comes out without, you know, thinking about that as much. Same thing with, like, texting. It's more like shorthand.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Because when you put it that way, I mean, I've always struggled with texting. Because I overanalyze a text message (laughs) to no end. I hate texting for this reason. (laughs) It's kind of ridiculous. I will... Someone will text me something and I will spend five to 10 minutes thinking about how my reply will work. And then I'll... (laughs) Yes. Like there's, it's just way too much going on. Whereas if I'm talking, boom, 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 boom. So I've always found there's this really weird difference for me between texting and speaking for sure.
1: Oh yeah. I I actually, I use voice to text more often than I actually text at this point. Partially just because I'm lazy. Actually, iPhone kind of pisses me off because I feel like it mistranslates me a lot. But I'm like, I'm willing to take a few mistranslations to edit them, and then like, it's fine. Then I don't have to like, I don't know. I'm just becoming lazy. I just like hate typing on my phone. It's it's weird. I don't don't
0: know. know. There might be something human about that. Just something about the act of translating your thoughts through this tip tap. Like it's just something about that pisses you off. Yeah. You'd rather just say your damn thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Like to me, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's like less of a. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Yeah, like translation process. I got it's like the same thing with like music. Like for me, I think I've like said this in our minute interview, like whatever years ago. Like, I like, I hear music in my head like very loudly and clearly uh, a lot of times. Not even just my own songs, just other people's songs, jumbled garbage, whatever. But when I write, I like to just, the idea is I, I like to, if I hear something in my head, I can. Translate it out into the real world, or transfer it out to the real world with like, like a guitar, a synth, a vocal line, whatever. So for me, it would be nice, like if I think this was like an episode of Black Mirror, actually, where like they hooked up like Miley Cyrus's like head, and she was like in a coma, to like this music transferring <laughs> device that like went directly <laughs> to a computer, and it like took like what was in her head and like perfectly like turn it into a song. So I think that would be awesome. Like for me, that would be awesome because. <laughs> the whole episode's like about how dystopian and awful that is and he's watching that like
0: yo, that's exactly what i need.
1: yes exactly like well because they were the thing that was like dystopian about it was more like they were using her like basically lifeless body or well she was like still alive but like she could still have thoughts to like profit off of her music or whatever so yeah that part was kind of fucked up i guess However, I think the idea <laughs> of the technology in general, if you're a musician that can like sort of really visual, like not visualize, but audioize, if you will, your music in your head, I think that would be great. But I don't know if that's something that can never, I mean, I guess probably it's possible in some way, but I don't know if it could ever like be like literally somehow it can pick up like all five or six different instruments you're hearing like as a song in your head and transfer it to something that's intelligible. Maybe it's like... A melody line if you're like clearly thinking of like one like a single note at a time because i'm pretty sure right now there's like technology where it can transfer like simple thoughts out of your head into like and translate it basically like a yes or no question or like or just like a one word or two word answer or something like that
0: i just saw earlier today they did that with um they were i i didn't read the full paper so i wish i had because It would have came in handy right now. But I know at least the headline and what a little bit of what I had read. It seemed as if they had brought some dreams to or maybe not dreams, but they had what it was, was they showed a image or a video Mm -hmm. of a cat. That's what it was. They showed them a video of a cat and they recorded their brain during this and they were able to using AI recreate the cat. Through mm. visual imaging, and so it's not perfect, but you look at them side by side, and it's like, whoa, it is very close. That yeah. does look very close you know, to the cat. And if that's where we are right now, what you're describing might not be very far away. You
1: know, you know, I think yeah, I think someone just told me that the other day, and that's I actually just brought up basically exactly similar to what I said to the, the other person we were talking. About. I can't remember who it was. It was either I think it might have been my roommate. Um, but yeah, so that's, yeah, it's interesting how, yeah, brain transfer of thoughts from computer to writing to music to visualization. Um, I mean, maybe too bad Elon Musk is in here. I'm sure he'd love to tell us about, you know, like Neuralink and how it's all like the same shit or something. I don't really know how that works, but uh, I don't know. It's maybe kind of creepy, but it could be kind of cool. It could be a useful tool as a uh musician or like an artist if you could uh extract your thoughts easier yeah but maybe it's just cheating at that point it maybe a part of the the talent is behind like i have to do this the old-fashioned way i gotta like be like hmm oh is that a c yes uh ding, ding. then like i have to figure out like well those notes the little notes are like on an actual fucking instrument you know well, this is why i
0: think it's cheating <laughs> <laughs> this <is why. laughs> but this is why i think it's cheating and i'm surprised this didn't occur to me sooner because i've always felt this way um so if I had Elon Musk on the podcast which it's in it's in the works all right it's
1: somewhere <laughs> yeah. down the line I'm sure you get him
2: Oh I know I will. We're going to have everybody on this show, okay? I'm talking Yo Mama, Joe Biden, Obama, Poseidon, everybody. We're going to have everybody on this show. And you know why? Because Ruse Radio is only on its way up. You might as well invest in now, folks. A lot of people don't understand investing. They don't even know how the whole thing works and they need somebody to make it a little bit easy for them. Well, guess what? I've got the thing for you. That's right. This podcast, this episode is sponsored by Robin Hood. Robin is out here making it real easy for everybody to invest. If you want to go and you want to hop on your phone and just go buy a stock right now and then watch your money double and triple and fudge duple within minutes, boom. Now, I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm just saying it's possible. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. And you know what else is possible? You can scroll down. You can scroll down and go to the link in our description and get a free stock. Anybody who has not used Robinhood before, I'm talking anybody who has not used Robinhood before can get a free stock on his house just for being part of the coop troop. Yes, it's true folks. It's true. I'm telling you the truth. Now that you know the amazing opportunities that lie in front of you, let's talk a little bit more about Elon Musk.
0: Yeah, and and when I speak with him, one thing I definitely would love to say is like, do you really think that thoughts would be communicated better if we could send them to one another. Like, do you really believe that? Because that's what he says. That's his claim. And that's essentially what we're saying, is that you could send the thought of the music and just mm-hmm. make the music that way. But to me, you lose the entire human aspect of the interaction by doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the real human thing that's happening there is that I had a thought, and I have to translate and communicate my thought to you so that you can understand my thought. That's the human interaction. Yeah, I
1: think thoughts are like, could be too messy to uh, properly just like send to someone unfiltered. You yeah, know? yeah. And what is a thought <laughs> even? Like, what you're, yeah. you're acting
0: like you know what a thought is, but do you really no, know what people a don't. thought is?
1: I had like a whole like seminar, like, in because I have a degree, like, I think I already said, degree of philosophy from Flint. There was like a seminar class about, um, what is the, God damn it. <laughs> I forget the exact term for it. It was like a very uh, fancy the phenomenology of cognition of some. some I forget the exact uh, term, but okay. basically, like a, like what is a thought? Like, is it does it is there anything? It is like to have a thought. Basically, was the idea. So, like, meaning, do you feel like thinking? Is is there anything? Basically, I think the argument was like the the pure cognition behind the thought is like. There's no unique experience behind that, but then, I don't know, part of my argument was more like, too, like, what about, like, like your inner voice or whatever? If you're, like, a musician that you can, like, hear music, or if you're, like, an artist, you can, like, see the painting before it's done kind of thing. Is, like, is that considered a thought, or is that just, like, a, uh, an attachment to, like, the cognition within that is something else? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Right. An attachment to the cognition within... <laughs> Right. I see what you're saying though. Because like I I've I've I I am forgetting his name right now. I think it's uh nah, I'm not going to remember it, but he wrote a book. Uh, I want to say Robert Altman, but I don't think that's right. Um I think I'm getting it completely wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> some, some guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever, whoever said the thing. Yeah. But um he had this whole thing about a muse and the whole thing about like like artists need to learn to channel this muse and and it's not like a spiritual idea but more like you know we all draw from somewhere creative and you know i think that there's a lot a lot of places you can go from that idea of a muse and this idea of channeling something when you create art and i think a lot of artists do feel that when they are creating they're tapping into something that might be a little bit beyond whatever it is they have regularly i mean i feel Mm -hmm. that way for sure that when i sit down and i write a song it's like some things just come to me i I can't explain to you where they come from and it's not as if i'm there's there's much intent even behind like it's not like i'm calculating it very much it just happens and so to me when i hear someone say something like that like the idea that that when a thought comes out, there's, it's not any deeper than just the thought. Like there's nothing original beyond the thought itself. I can't agree with that because the thought is deeper than the thought itself. It always is. Thoughts inspire more thoughts. Where does the thought come from? I don't know. That inspires another thought. I don't know. You can't. You can't conclude that. You can't. There's no conclusion. That's the whole point of philosophy: is that you yeah. don't know. Why? Why would we question thinking if we knew what thinking was?
1: No. Yeah. They, they. No one definitely knows. I think they were thinking of it too, more on just like a
0: literally neurochemical think yeah. level, like
1: like a, just like what's going on in your brain exactly, kind of thing.
0: Yes. And there's something there's something interesting about that too, where it's like the further you go down that neurobiological <laughs> <laughs> and rabbit hole, yeah. Like the further, the deeper you get into that, I think the more you uh, can lose touch with what's just simply beautiful about being a person no yeah not no, everything no needs doubt. an explanation and and when you get too deep into the explanations you forget that like you're losing the magic of that like that's why with 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 art and and music that's again going back to the Elon Musk thing i don't think that you could make music that way the way you're describing because the beauty of the music is that what you said, where it's like, oh, shit, I need to learn how to play this. Right. And then you learn how to play it, and you learn how to express it, and maybe through that jam, you're like, oh, shit, I yeah. just hit that one note on accident. <clears throat> that one note sounded better. And then right. you start doing different things spontaneously, and all of that is a human thing. You can't do that from just sending a thought.
1: <laughs> you can't. It's impossible. Upload <laughs> it to the cloud, baby. No, I'm saying, I'm saying more, too, even like... Um, I guess I was imagining more like the technology maybe like wouldn't be like kind of perfect kind of thing it'd be more like a time saver like cuz I don't know if like my brainwave or whatever I send to some machine is going to like replicate like a distorted guitar sound with a phaser and delay on it. I feel like I would still have to actually like record that for it to sound right, you know what I mean? Maybe or, or, may, or may, yeah, I don't really know. I'm just speculating. Me like, too. I just- mean, <laughs> I could be entirely wrong. It could be I mean, on Black Mirror, it's just they just turned a few knobs and it just like made everything sound perfect. So, if that's like <laughs> the, the foundation of what we're working on, then I guess it would be possible. But yeah, if we're going to assume that everything sp- that
0: happens in Black Mirror is
1: yeah, <laughs> <accurate>. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Just like, you know, I saw it on TV, it must be true. <laughs> yeah.
0: Dude, I don't know. I do, I just like it's like what I was saying before, earlier in the conversation. I just like being a human a little bit. You know, screw being an alien. I want to be a human, man. I want to be a human for a little while.
1: An alien human?
0: Yeah. I want to try it out. I want to be a hybrid. (laughs) I'm okay with that. Like, I don't want to be an alien human robot. We don't need to go all three. (laughs) All all three. (laughs) Jesus.
1: The crossover, you know.
0: Yeah. It gets confusing at a certain point. And, you Mm -hmm. know, nowadays you see a lot of stuff about uh, how people think that we're creating the aliens. Because now a lot more people are into artificial intelligence and this idea of like, of, of AI actually being something that's going to matter to society. And, and then you get into that conversation of like, well, if aliens are this advanced intelligence, perhaps they are just something we created far from the future. It's possible. I mean, it's, they're definitely not humans. <laughs> like, so, so if that's the case, then maybe they're getting closer to us, man.
1: Yeah, I I I, really, I had a phase like where I was like really into aliens for a while. Not to say that I'm massive, so, like I found it really interesting. Or more like extraterrestrial, like, actual like beings that live somewhere in the universe. And like I don't know, i read rather there's like a few different like main types of like alien was, there's, like, the grays. there's the Greys. There's the Greys, there's like the Nordics, which are like human like or whatever, and then there's like the reptilian or whatever. I don't know. It's just like it's just <laughs> I can I I can't fucking know, man. It's just like it's fun to think about, but it's like I literally have no no proof of like any of it. Then then you gotta like think too about like what about just like we were thinking of like intelligent life on other planets. Like what about just like animals, you know? Like I'm not saying that animals aren't intelligent. A lot of them are like extremely intelligent, but just like not like don't have like rationality. I guess whatever. That's like the classic example of people. would, would say would like separates like a dog from, like, a human or whatever. Like, what about just other planets that just have, like, animals like that? Like, they could be out there, too. Or, like, dinosaurs. They were pretty fucking weird. There could be a whole planet with creatures like that that aren't, like, rational human-type people or things, but they're, like, they're aliens. Yeah. Right? I don't know.
0: Yeah, and and, and the other part of it that people don't generally think about is, is, I mean, think about how advanced, how far along we've come in the last 100, 200 years okay, so what happens when you stumble upon another society that's 3,000 years behind us or 5,000 years behind us? Like, the the way that you measure that time, it's impossible to even comprehend what that would be. And and also that society would have a completely different basis than us. There's a million factors when it comes to stuff like that. That's a great point, yeah. What what, what makes us think they would be like humans at all? I mean, they could be like tentacle monsters...
1: (laughs) Like five eyes. I mean, yeah, it's really hard to say. Like what it really might depend on like what the atmosphere for that planet is like. Like maybe you would evolve differently Mm -hmm. there or something to like more be more advantageous to that planet. Or I don't know, maybe it's just like this inherent like beauty in the universe that all like intelligent life has to just develop like in a similar way that would like look like us. I don't know. But it's like, you know, just infinite possible worlds basically like anything you could think of maybe is real
0: so how do you feel about the theory that there's an infinite number of universes with an infinite number of realities like <laughs> like like how do i feel how do you feel about that yeah like cuz cuz if we're saying that the universe can't expand out that far i mean how would that make you feel that idea that like there's another universe where you're doing the exact same thing you're doing now except you're wearing um you're wearing a thong. A
1: thong oh. and nothing else. <laughs> and that none- was actually thinking about doing that today. So, well, that uh, in
0: some universe you did do that today. Um, <laughs> how does that make you feel?
1: <laughs> I how does oh well it really uh gets me going. No, I wish uh, I was in that universe. <laughs> I Dang. wish I was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how does it make you feel? Um, I don't know. Like I don't know if like I can really think like oh um I that definitely exists for sure. Like all you can do is say like it could, in my opinion, like
0: yeah. I look at it like a thought exercise more yeah. than anything else because what's the point of that existing? Like does what's it <laughs> does it matter? It doesn't change anything if it does or doesn't. Does it?
1: I mean, it doesn't change anything here? No. Um, but it just yeah, just
0: changes something in Thongland. You would think like, like down. in, th- in
1: Thongland, yeah, Planet Thong. Uh, I mean, yeah, With this, if the inter- universe is truly, like, infinite and there's, like, infinite universes or, like, galaxies or whatever, yeah, I mean, like, there could be other people that have, like, almost the same, like, DNA or, like, as us on, on other planets as, like, living separate lives. In terms of, if you mean more just, like, there's, like, some infinite, like, split, like, in the timeline of, like, every decision or minute that goes by, there's, like, another, like, dimension where, like, the opposite thing happens or something like that, like... I don't know about that. I feel like that's, like, in a movie or something that I'm describing, but it's, like, fun to think about, but, like, from, like, a philosophical perspective, like, you know, you can't really say, you can't really like, oh, yes, that is true. You know, I don't, I don't know enough about it anyway, so I'm just, like, a stoner, basically. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like, smoke that much anymore, but, like classically historically you know (laughs) i fit the archetype (laughs) of a stoner i fit the archetype of a (laughs) yeah man like the dimensions and the universes and stuff man like it's pretty crazy
0: wow you got the stoner voice down dude that was it a hundred percent
2: like i never never really
0: tried to do it dude but i think i got it down pretty good too
1: man hell yeah man yo you ever just go outside and look at the stars man yeah dude there's like an infinite million universes out there, man. Like, one with I'm wearing a thong in one of those, man. Bro, no
0: way. <laughs> Hit this shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, the hologram theory, like, that's another one that's, like, really popular. Like, you know, when you're drunk at a party, you're like, yeah, man, it's a hologram. It's like, yeah. what, what does that even
0: mean? Like, well, I- simulation theory is the one that gets me more and more over time because that's something you could come up with while you're on heavy, hard drugs. But it's... <laughs> You know? <laughs> like it's definitely possible to get deep, get too deep somewhere, and then come out with that one. But it's also possible to be a very highly intelligent, skilled, proficient academic professor, yeah. whoever you are, someone with credentials,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and be out there, and you're claiming, yes, it's entirely possible we're in a simulation.
1: Like right. there's lots. You, of mean, people like, you who mean like you mean like kind of like Matrix yeah. like theory? Yeah, I mean for sure. That's like actually, yeah, it is like a. Kind of like an actual thought experiment within it's philosophy, that, like academics, like take seriously. I think the difference between just like the average like stoner layman drunk guy like talking about this shit and like a true like PhD or whatever is just like they have more resources or whatever to like research it properly, like based on what other like highly educated people also thought about it, and are like more formal in their presentation of it, like through a paper. <laughs> Or something. (laughs) I don't know. Rather
0: than coming to it through pure intuition in your backyard. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. I think that is like more like, yeah, how philosophy is supposed to be now anyways. Is like it's more based on like guiding science in a way Yeah. and not just like getting stoned and closing your eyes in the backyard and just be like, yeah, I think this is how the world works now. It's like. Well, did you actually go out there and, like, test that out and see for sure? Are you just, like, I mean, intuition is a big part of, like, thinking, I think, and, like, trying to, like, guide your thoughts in the right way along with, like, logic. But obviously there's more There's more to it than that in terms of, like, the scientific perspective of what we can understand through all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I think, I think a, a, the best life lived is a life where your intuition is in harmony with the universe. Like yeah. you need to learn to align those.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely like from a just an everyday perspective of like how what how to live like a good life or just like how to feel like happy or whatever. That's like I think maybe like more subjective. I mean, I'm sure you could find like science based answers for those questions as well, which you could like sort of critique or like boost with like philosophy. But yeah, like overall, like if you're into <laughs> <if> your intuition just says <laughs> No, and you just, like, keep doing the opposite of that, then, like, yeah, you probably feel like shit all the time. Yeah, your so. life's just
0: going to suck. <laughs> your life is going to suck. There's just no upside. Yeah. If your intuition's bad, <laughs> like, if your intuition goes against the nature of the very universe that it's within, then, yeah, your life's going to suck. You know, I never really put it that way, though. That that's that, I think I'm going to, from this point on, I think I'm going to try to live that way, Jemmy Hazeman. I think I'm going to let my, uh, I'm going <laughs> to try to guide my intuition in the right intuition, way. because. yeah.
1: Yeah, John John Ooh. Lennon has a song. Uh, it's called Intuition. I don't know if it's like not as like his best song, but it's made me think of that. Um, but yeah, or like too. It's like actually, I'm sure you've heard of like the personality test, like the Briggs meyer thing or whatever. Mm-mm. Oh, you haven't? It really? sounds very familiar. Is it
0: the one with the four letters? It's like the four letters. Okay. Yeah, like
1: one of them is in, like intuitive or intuition, which is uh, it's like the second letter. I think like I am an INTJ from the last t- test I've taken. So like. N is the one that stands for intuition. I believe the opposite is uh, S. So I think that's, that's for more like sensory. So I think it's like actually could be two different types of people. Like more people are, are more intuitive, meaning like they're coming up like with their decisions or thoughts in life like internally, whereas other people were more like sensory, meaning like they're looking more to the outside world to like form their thoughts or something like that. Okay. Which would make more sense as like a scientist almost. Where like you're observing the thing and then you're then you're coming up with a thought. Whereas like maybe the classic uh philosopher is more like, No, I'm thinking the things and I'm gonna apply it to the world almost like that. I could I might be describing this wrong, but that's how I think of it.
0: That that sounds right because um, in, intuitive versus sensory makes a, a lot of sense to me, and I would definitely argue that I'm intuitive. I don't yeah. know about you, I know I'm intuitive. No, I
1: I would think so. If you're like a, like a lyricist or like a writer in particular, that would probably make more sense. Well, dude, I it's, think the more mathy, sciencey people would probably be more sensory approach potentially, I mean, as a generalization. I would just say, generally speaking, it makes. I think that generalization is entirely
0: fair because it's like it's based on a reality. The reality is that people who go inside of those types of areas, the ones that are willing to dedicate their lives to that are very interested in the outside world and Mm -hmm. they want to make sense of that. Whereas introspective people... People that are looking inside that are intuitive, they're mm. going to go on that inside world and they're going to go into those inner arts like, mm-hmm. like music and like painting and yeah. like film and all those things. Yeah, so And it only f- makes sense.
1: Yeah. To be fair to you, like everyone uses both sides. It's not like I'm just <laughs> totally lost my own world and I, everything around me is this big black blur that I don't understand. Like, I mean, maybe to an extent. And, and the same thing with like, you know, like a scientist or maybe an engineer or whatever, like. There's still, you know, you, intuition and the sensory, they go hand in hand. But I think cer- certain people may be more balanced a certain certain way.
0: I've heard some interesting stories about scientists being too intuitive and um getting too into their own theories. Right. And going too far down that trying to prove it when exactly. it was already wrong there. like 10 years ago.
1: There you go. Yeah, someone that's not really they're just kind of following their own thoughts or like their belief in how things should work and trying to fit that square peg into the round hole of reality instead of just kind of following where the data or experiment would like take them and like coming to a conclusion that makes more sense potentially their intuition I mean, it's
0: wasn't in harmony with the universe no
1: and then, well, that's why they probably hate their lives wow and they have that exploded hair and like a messy lab coat you know
0: <laughs> I'm going to prove my theory correct I know it Man, I, shout out our homie Albert Einstein. I'm also going to get him on the podcast. Oh, yeah. By the time AI's got it all worked out, I'll have him and five other dead presidents on here. <laughs> oh
1: so. yeah, bring them back. Bring them all on.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. I mean, with the whole um, intuition thing, it's funny that we even had that conversation because I recently wrote a song called Practically, and... The whole second verse is me explaining why you should entirely, like, I literally say, everything is intuition easy. That's one of the lines in the song. Everything is intuition easy. And uh, let me see if I can just remember the verse. Let me see if I can remember how it goes. because. <laughs> Uh so, so...
2: Catch me taking notes as I carve a frame of reference Shot at Kubrick PTA Coppola Lynch is The dopest will give him presents The real keep it alive The loan you a way to press it A fail, away your vibe Passion makes a... Passion... Passion takes a bribe Like the masters Take it slow So I laugh When patience dies I ain't had it Wait before What come after Ain't advised It's insinuated though In the palette It's implied When it's splash Or paint composed No rhyme Never know I don't repeat Don't lie Everything is Intuition easy Brief and submissions The mission is in the scene Read the message in the method The vision is how you see See? Super simple The inheritance is iconic Something in your spirit Imperative in your pocket Life will break it down But the better build dig deeper than the sound stay physical
0: miss the touch uh nice thank you oh yeah thought being though behind that whole verse that whole thing is basically saying like (laughs) if you look at the people who do it the best they do let their intuition guide them yeah and so that's this conversation is getting me to this point where it's like oh it's not just that though it's the intuition but then it's like seeing everything around you and curving that intuition to do the Like, to know what is correct, if that makes any sense. Like, you learn from listening, and you learn from seeing the way the world works.
1: I mean, yeah, you can't just, I mean, you can't just rely totally on intuition to, like, figure everything out, because you could be wrong. That's just, like, almost saying, like, I'm always right. I just know. But, you know, you got to, you know. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it could be like that. (laughs) I just know, man. Come on. I think, uh, (laughs) I I just think, uh, the reason
0: I like that verse, and the reason I'm, I'm so passionate about it is I think people... Don't trust their intuition enough a yeah. lot of the time, though. I think mm-hmm. that, like, even though there's, you can go way too deep down that and you can be way too intuitive, most people aren't. They're the opposite problem. They're just not at all intuitive. And they rely too much on pointers and like, what should I do? And what are people going to want me to do? And Mm -hmm. I hate seeing that, man. I hate it because it's like, no, you're, it's you. You're the cool one. You're fucking, you're living your life, dude. Do something. Be intuitive. What do you want to do?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And if they can't answer that question, I feel bad for them. I'm like, how do you not know? You never you never think like, what do I want? And then you never like <laughs> come to a, get an answer. You just want to do what other people want to do? I was talking to somebody once and they were like I they told me they never like being alone. I'm like, Never? Not what? All right, how? So when I'm alone, I am at my most peaceful. Like I yeah. I love being with people and I have a great time, but I love being alone too. That's my no, that's when I'm most intuitive, I believe. I'm yeah. most in my own nature.
1: Right. No, yeah. I mean, you're around someone else that they're going to influence like your thoughts to some some degree
0: yeah they seek inside my brain like a yeah th- uh, uh, thoughts so
1: they're gonna it's gonna influence you a little bit so yeah when you're just totally alone and you're <laughs> you, just the
0: way the sound I, effect you I, made imagine them like <laughs> casting a fucking beam on you. Like, <laughs> yeah
1: like, pretty <laughs> much Uh so yeah I mean I'm some more of an introverted person I would say so being alone like most of my music I have made pretty much alone like because I'm like, more or less a a solo artist. I play, like, multiple instruments. I've, like, recorded all myself, write it all myself. So, like, I don't know. It just makes it easier for me because then I don't have to, like... Not that I don't mind, like, collaborating or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But if I have, like, a... It's, like, a one-track mind or, like, vision for, like, a song. uh, Use the intuition to kind of just, like, hear the melody, like, what I want to do with it and just, like... Let it out even without the you know instant melody transferring machine you still you know gotta
0: (laughs) (laughs) so when i was talking to caleb nettles uh this was actually right after we concluded the podcast and we were just chatting about it afterwards and i didn't realize that the way that because i I had asked him off camera and i kind of wanted to dig into it more with when i had you here so like the whole creative process you are the main writer and you would basically... Or at least this was how it was for a while. Mm-hmm. You would write the songs entirely and you would basically just show them what the song was. And then I think over time it became something where it's not now. There's a little bit more... Yeah. A little bit less Jemmy uh, uh putting his thoughts out of his head from a machine onto a... <laughs> you know?
1: So a little but, bit more like other people. Are. Yeah, for sure. So basically, like, I started the band in probably, like, 2017. At that point, I was, like... I used to meet a band called Shady Groves, which they're still technically kind of a band. It's my friend Adam Fitzgerald and Dylan Carone. They're both, like, from Lapeer. They're, like, around my age. Like, we grew up together, kind of made music together and stuff. We had a pretty cool project. Like, we made an album together. We played shows in Detroit, whatever. We we had some decent following. Didn't really work out for me being in that band anymore. So that's when I really went full force with, like, I'm just going to be Jemmy Hazeman now. Like, that's my solo artist name. I'm going to make an album with this name. Because I didn't... It sounds, like, selfish, but at the time, especially after that experience, I didn't really want to, like, rely on a band or, like, other people to, like, make albums or, like, a music. Because I was like, I can... Like, I, to, I already was, like, recording everything myself. Like, drums, guitars, synth, vocals, production, like, whatever it needed. Like, I was doing it all myself. So it's like... I can just make music like myself and I can like make an album and then hopefully I'll get people to like join the band eventually or whatever. So that's pretty much what I did. I just started working on like my first album, which is now almost five years old, which is absurd Cosmic Maze. Which I'm still really proud of that album. I still think it sounds like good to this day. I'm not like, oh, it's shit, whatever. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll get to that point eventually. But
0: was that Paulie Everett that did the cover
1: art? Yes, uh, Paulie Everett did the cover art on that. Who's an awesome artist and lives like really close to here. Um. So yeah, I got that. So uh, Caleb was like the first person I got on board because I was like, I was trying to start doing like kind of like solo shows, which was just going to be like me with like backing tracks of like the songs I was writing at the time. Um, so I got Caleb on board, uh, and then shortly after I got Jamie Doolin, who's still our bassist, who was also like in Shady Groves at the time. And also another guy from Lapeer. basically everyone in my bands, like from like Lapeer area. So he was on board. So it was me, Jamie and Caleb. And then, um, it was, who was the fourth, uh, Colt, our keyboard player, synth player, got him to join like a couple months later after he saw like Caleb and Jamie join and like I was showing him some of my new music and I was like, oh, this shit's pretty fucking sweet, like whatever. And then uh, our drummer, Shane Flesher, um, we got him to join like a couple months later. At the time he lived in like Grand Rapids, so he was like commuting like a really long way to like come practice with us like occasionally. So yeah, that that's how like the five people joined the band and like everyone was just like, they knew what I was doing. Like they knew I was like writing an album. Was It was like nine, ten songs long, whatever, like these are, these are going to be the songs for, like, the band, and, like, everyone was cool with that because, like, they liked my music, and, like, at the time, really only, I would say, I guess Caleb was starting to dabble more into, like, writing, but his style was, like, way different than mine. It would it didn't really make sense to, like, make it all in one band at the time. Like, Jamie was writing a little bit, too, but it's, like, I already had, like, my vision and my album and everything, and just, like, we just ran with it, and then much did the same thing for like my second album phase where like i just had my vision and like songs and then like the band learned them so it did evolve to the point where like people are not definitely not playing everything exactly the same as you would hear like on the recorded album like everyone had like has like freedom to like change a few things and we change things up to like make it more jammy and cool live because it's like I'm not famous. I'm not a millionaire or anything. I'm not, like, offering these guys, like, oh, like top-level pay to be like, you must play exactly what I wrote precisely because that just seems, like, way too much. So basically got to the point where we're just kind of mixing it up a little bit currently. So now now it's actually to the – so Caleb's technically – he's not in the band anymore. So he, at some point, I think, quit in, like, 2019 – like, halfway through 2019, I want to say – have another guy Desmond is in the the Honey Riders now who's also new everyone else in my band was friends with them from like Lapeer and like high school and all that so we're currently kind of working on a collaborative album which is like everyone in the band has wrote at least one song even Shane our drummer has a song uh Colt, our keyboard player Jamie's got a, a few when you say wrote a song you mean they wrote the
0: entire thing from the ground so, up
1: so i would say they wrote the original like idea of it like basically the band is coming together and maybe like tweaking little things or adding their own but like basically everyone in my band is like a multi instrumentalist like everyone can play multiple instruments to an extent so it's not like uh, if Colt our keyboard player tries to write a song he's like oh I I don't know how to play like a bass or a guitar at all like he can same thing with Shane Uh, like Desmond can play drums a little bit so everyone's kind of like you know cross trained a little bit so basically we've been working on this for like two or three years now trying to get this album done. It's just with COVID and then um, just, like, our (laughs) schedules and our lives, it's just, like, been really hard to, like, get everything done as fast as we would like. But I would say it's about, like, halfway done in terms of the recordings. Of course, I'm also, like, you know, contributing some to the album, too, like my guitar parts or, like, singing, production. But it's definitely not even close to, like, being all me, like, recording and playing everything. Okay. So that's kind of, like, the evolution of the band, basically. Like, it did start out with, like, the first couple albums. Basically, I did, like, kind of write everything. And I'll probably still continue to make music that way and write albums that way just because, like, I enjoy it personally. Like, I I can do it because I look at, like... Artists like you know like they make their painting and they just they make their painting that's it they're not like oh I need like a a line specialist to come in for the lines and I need like a, a color specialist to come in for the colors that's how I look like making music with like bass guitar drums and keyboard like I don't like it's nice to like have that collaborative approach and like they're gonna come up with like people are gonna come up with different ideas than I would but like I kind of like the challenge of like fitting all the the puzzle pieces together mm. and just like transferring like what's in my head out to the to a recorded version of the song. I will say I am maybe at this point getting less excited about the idea of like recording my own drums because (laughs) I don't live in an area where I can really do that that much right now or haven't for a while compared to what I used to do. So I may or may not export some of that work to Shane um, on my own like personal albums or recordings, even though I do really like playing drums. I was a drummer in a lot of different bands for a lot of different years, but then I kind of like moved away from that just because i was more of a songwriter and it just made sense for me to like play guitar in the band instead of like being the drumming singer that like teaches the guitar player like my songs. It was just too Mm -hmm. much of a pain in the ass in my opinion. Like I've seen other drumming singers that are sweet. There's actually a a girl in Detroit Summer Like the Season that she does that and like their band's really cool kind of like a psychedelic indie thing but yeah, I I gave up on trying to do that. A lot of rhythm involved in that. Yeah, I usually like that's the thing too. And I, I, I was like a singing drummer in Shady Groves, the band I was in prior to like the Jimmy Hazeman project, Jimmy Hazeman and the Honey Riders band and I got pretty good at it, but I, I found myself like simplifying my drums too, just so I could like focus on the singing, which I thought was like, kind of like annoying, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of like, defeats the purpose. Yeah. Like I could play a slightly cooler beat if I wasn't singing. I mean, maybe it's just on me for not practicing it at heart, but I don't know. I look at music, like, holistically. It's like, I'm, like, pretty decent at drums and guitar. I'm not, like, virtuoso level at all, like like how Caleb is on guitar. Like, he's probably, might be the best guitarist I've ever seen, like, in real life, like, physically play the guitar. I'm more just like, I can play drums, I can play guitar, I can play bass, I can dabble on keys, like, I can produce, sing, whatever. I can, pick, like, put all the puzzle pieces together, like I said, not, like... I'm going to focus solely on becoming the best singing drummer and like put all this time into it because it's like, I feel like that would just like be really frustrating to me. Like almost wouldn't even be fun. Or- you, you get so <laughs> deep into that, dude. Like,
0: like you, you'd be sitting, you'd be trying to sleep at night and you're thinking, man, if I just hit the kick while I, if I sang, <laughs> if I sang like this and then I kick but I don't kick as hard and I'm not thinking about the kick as much. Yeah. Like you get yeah. so lost in
1: the intricacies. I mean, even to this day, just like, when I play guitar live with the band, like I try not to play anything that hard on guitar while I'm singing. It's just too, it's too much for me. I don't know. I mean, I'm just just admitting I suck, but like (laughs) I just like playing like rhythms or like more straight like leads that like make sense with my vocal line. If I have to like do a different rhythm that I'm while I'm singing versus when I'm playing guitar, it's like, you know, I can get some things down with practice, but it's like, I'm not going to strain myself. I'll just have like, Desmond play the other hard guitar part, and then I'll play the easier one. That's what I was going to say,
0: isn't that the whole kind of partially the idea with rhythm and lead guitar? Yes,
1: exactly. I mean, some rhythm's going to be hard too, but then it's like, whatever. That's why there's differences between recorded versions and live versions too sometimes. Like every single layer I would put on a recorded version of a song is not necessarily going to be there live because I don't have a symphony orchestra of like seven synth players and five guitarists. You know, you know what I mean? Because like, I if I'm gonna record something, like I'll I'll go all out. If I think it sound would sound sweet to add a few layers that probably physically can't be there live because we don't play backing tracks because it's just I don't know, it's too much of a pain in the ass. I don't really love the idea of that. Uh, then yeah, I'll do it. But live, or if there's like a guitar part live that's like just a small little thing that like is really really hard for me to do live because I have to like sing at the same time or something, maybe I wouldn't do it live. Like, there's actually in Cosmic Maze, I think, like, one of my older songs that we play all the time. There's, like, some weird little, like, like fill thing, like, during the verse that I do, like, some sort of half-assed version of it live. And I'm not going to lie. It's because it's, like, I can't sing and do that at the same time. Like, I'm not John Mayer. I don't know. <laughs> but I what c- do
0: you want from me? I'm not fucking John Mayer. <laughs> I mean, I can understand that, though, because, I mean, you can definitely just come up with millions of examples of... Uh, probably a lot of heavier bands especially that have their music a certain way on a record and the fans go into the live show knowing it's not going to be exactly that. Like, I mean, when you got, um, for example, like maybe earlier Slipknot or even like seeing System of a Down now today. You see System of a Down now live today and you hear them try to do the songs they did in the early thousands. (laughs) Also, I mean, it was incredible. They even got close to their studio tracks yeah. live back then because th- the vocals are insane so right. you have to expect them to be reserved you can't even ex- yeah it's for one your your voice changes it's been years but for mm-hmm. another thing like how, you can't tour with music that's pushing it that far so yeah yeah i i never ever blame an artist for adapting their material for a live yeah I mean, it, i've
1: realized i when i was younger i used to be like I mean, the band that was when I was younger that like, we were called the Kodaks. It was another kind of my friend from Detroit that I was in Shady Groves with. Uh, my friend, actually, my friend from Lapeer that I was in Shady Groves with was also in that band with me, the Kodaks. That was like my first like real like indie band. Like I think I told you, like they remind me uh, somewhat of the Lemon Cowies, uh album that you were on. Like back in the day when I first met you, some of like the the musical, that gloomy um, yeah, gloomy, Yes, gloomy material. Um, what was I trying to say? Yeah, I was like. Realistic, like, no, we must play every note exactly the same as what the recording is, It's going to be perfect, which is sweet. If bands can do that, that's awesome. And, I, and I'm not saying, like, I play everything wrong and I, like, can't play my music live or anything. That's not really what I'm trying to say. But I think there is room to, like, improvise or, like, adapt your material slightly uh, depending on the style of band or whatever. But I also think, like, just kind of writing within you, what your skill level as a guitarist or musician is is also important instead of, like tabbing out like the craziest solo ever on like guitar pro or tab or whatever and being like all right now i'm gonna learn this now if i were caleb that'd probably be no problem because he can learn anything but if it's me and i had a couple beers before i play and i'm just trying to like play it's like almost gonna be too much stress to like do like i don't know the, the dudes in my band like jamie and uh uh desmond to some extent jamie's our bass player desmond's a guitarist they're, like, more into that, like, super, like, techie kind of music, kind of like what Caleb is, uh, where, like, they are constantly, like, pushing themselves to, like, play something more complex, and I'm just like, you guys are fucking crazy, I'm not trying to, <laughs> you're making it way too hard okay. on yourselves, man, I'm just like, I want it to sound, like, somewhat hard sometimes, but I'm not going to, like, go to the point where, like, I might forget what I'm playing live, it's that difficult, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's like outside of my abilities. So I'm just like a <laughs> Stoner guitarist from the 60s, 70s style more or less with like a little bit of punk influence like um, like the fucking what's like Tron or like Polyphia shit. Like I that's too it's too much. I can't play like that.
0: I just don't know <laughs> how you do it like you said, like live. How do you continue to do that live? Cuz it's it's the fact that you're like Sometimes rappers will do super-duper fast raps, mm, and yeah. those are risky because what happens when you try to whip that out live? Well, yeah, I mean, even crazy. Eminem, like, yeah. live
1: now, I mean, he's got that hype man, but it's like, he's got to take breaths and shit. It's obviously not on one take.
0: Yes, you know? exactly. So, like, at a certain <laughs> point, why even write it that way? Like, if, if it's not going to work, yeah, then maybe, maybe adapt it. So mm-hmm. it will. And and yeah, I could see that when it comes to, I mean, if you like being the guy that goes out there and plays the hardest solo there is to play, <laughs> good for you, man. <laughs> I mean, ain't me either. It ain't me. I'm going to, and, and the other thing is you need to find the audience for that too. It's hard. Yeah. I feel like it's harder to find the audience that's into, it's almost like jazz yeah. music at that point when it gets so Te- technical. Technical
1: doesn't necessarily mean better. Exactly. It's just like melody and the feel of. There's a lot of things to consider in a song, but yeah, like you said, certain audiences will love that or appreciate it or think like three chord indie music is like basic and different, or not basic and different. Basic and like shit, I should say. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, for me, a lot of it's too is just about like tones, uh finding like cool sounds like on a synth making your guitar even sound like a synth or, like, an alien spaceship, whatever. Like, that's what's going to separate uh, some sort of, like, three-chord song that someone who's more, like, amateur is just writing versus, like, what someone who's, like, knows more about, like, recording in, like, a studio or, like, tones that's going to kind of, like... cause Like, if I'm, like, listening on, like, say, like, Spotify to, like, random, like, indie radio, like, I'll hear a lot of good songs and, like, I'd be like, well, this song would be, like, kind of basic, but it's, like, the way they made it sound, makes it sound like fucking sweet. You know, it's like they got either like an over distorted guitar or like the drums are like really compressed and weird or just like, you know, something. Sound design. Sound, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I like to do is like just manipulate things like on Logic or just like before I record them and make them sound like kind of weird. So it's like got that original flavor to it and not just like, you know, anyone could just do this because they just plugged in their instrument and like didn't even consider what it sounds like, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some (laughs) guitarists even got their own tone when it comes to like the, the, the the chains and the pedals and Mm -hmm. all this, like they've got it down to their own style when it comes to that. I mean, if you can establish your own version of, of playing, then a hundred percent. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I'm the same way when it comes to exploring. I mean, I'm, I'm at, I'm like that with my vocals to the point where I'll put my headphones on. I'll have a song written and, you know, mainly it's hip hop. So, I'm going into it and I know that, okay, it's a rap. It sounds like this in my head, how it's written. But then all of a sudden, as I've got the headphones on and I've got everything happening and I'm rapping it, it's like, wait a minute, I could use my voice maybe this way. Mm -hmm. And so, and because I'm in the zone, like I got the headphones and I could literally hear how it sounds. I'm like, I'm finding that spot where my voice sits perfectly on the instrumental. And it's like, it's just like that. It's just in real time with my voice rather than with turning dials and stuff like this. I'm just finding yeah. it. I'm finding wherever that that pocket is.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, vocal inflection is huge too, let alone like, you know, like tones of instruments and all that. Uh, oh, I mean, well,
0: it's it's inflection and delivery. And yeah. like So much matters when it comes to a per- vocal performance.
1: Yeah. I mean, trust me, the amount of takes I do when I record anything is just like outlandish. Mm-hmm. It's just like... Even if it's probably good, I'll, like I'll just keep going. Like on my albums that I wrote, like I probably have like thirty to forty takes at least of like just my guitar parts or like vocals wow. or like I'll just keep doing it over and over and over again. I mean, it probably used to be because I used to take Adderall a lot too, and I, especially when I made my first album. But when I stopped doing. It, I don't. It's just like my method. I just get like really like perfectionist obsessed about like how I think it needs to sound, and then I'll try a couple different tones or whatever maybe too. But um, I think I'm getting a little bit better with that because I'm really like, all right, I did it pretty good already. Like, I don't need <laughs> to do it, like, 10 more times after I've already done it 10 times. But, you know, I think that helps. I feel that's, like, if my music sounds, like, pretty, like, precise when it's, like... I mean, I'd go and edit it and stuff, too, beyond just my playing. But a lot of it's just because I, I played it so many times to get it to that level where it's, like... It's on it's on the grid in, in my own rhythmic way or whatever. Yeah,
0: so. I mean, I used to shamefully shame on me i used to do one take for everything (laughs) for the some people like that though
1: some people like not overthinking it and they're just like if you know for lyrics to me like if if you don't have them like memorized sometimes it comes out different or if you're just first starting but if it's something you've kind of practiced or you know in your head that like you want it to sound a certain way then Let's fucking do it, I guess.
0: Yeah, but I just think like the what I've learned through doing multiple takes because I've had experiences where I've done one take. I was like, damn, bro, that's kick ass. And then I do <laughs> five more takes and I end up going with take four and not take one.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. So
0: even though I thought it was so good, somehow take four was just better in some type of way. Yeah, I
1: think you just get more warmed up or in the zone after you do like a couple takes. Usually that third or fourth take a lot of times does end up being the best, but then if if you're like me, then you're like, no, take four was still shit. Then you're just like, a lot of times I'll like kind of take a break for a minute, then I'll do it, go again and go again. Then eventually I don't even actually know what I have anymore. And I have to like sort through all of it. That's um, the worst part. But I have like on logic, it's called like take folders or comp folders. So like it just, it's all like organized into this big folder and I can like drag and drop whatever takes or splice in parts or takes that I want to like get the ideal sound like delivery inflections uh pitch all that kind of stuff so yeah it's tedious but like i don't know like i said i i like to think of music holistically so i feel like production is one of the biggest parts especially as like an indie band uh or artist uh with that kind of style to like get get those tones right get the the delivery right um, and, yeah, the, I think and the production behind it. Yeah, I think
0: it matters a lot. It. Yeah, I think it matters more than... It's one of those things where people don't even realize how much it matters when it's done well. Because mm-hmm. it adds to the atmosphere and, and the entire the entire delivery of an album. I mean, going back to Gloomy Bloom with uh, that Lemon Collies album that we were, we were referencing, yeah. there's a particular song on there called... Um, uh, uh, it's about a Roxanne. It's called Roxanne. And it's about a. <laughs> funny enough, it's technically uh, it's behind the scenes for the lyrics. It's about a van. Similar, so the yeah. Honey Riders might know a thing or two about no. a van. Yes. But uh, yes, so the whole thing was that the song sounded great, but there was something that happens halfway through the song where it's like. I'm talking and it's like, I'm talking to this person and I'm like saying like, and don't you blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm giving a little speech to them, like telling them, like I'm giving a little talking to, to somebody. That's the gist of it. But it's told through a telephone. It sounds like I'm doing it through a telephone. So Uh all of a sudden you get this different idea when you hear it, like, oh wait, so this is, this guy's calling somebody or he's leaving a message on somebody's like just that little touch changes mm-hmm. that whole tiny bridge between the two verses and it, it it progresses the song in a certain direction and um also at the beginning of the album i remember what we decided to do was we wanted it to feel like it was like uh i think what it was was that it was like a tape like you're putting in a tape and you're listening to a cassette so it starts like a cassette. It sounds a little bit shitty at first, and then it opens up. And mm-hmm. you can literally hear the cassette being put in, and it's like a VHS tape. That's what it was, not a cassette, yeah. but a VHS tape. And so that touch... Gives a whole concept to the album. Just hearing a VHS tape being inserted at the beginning makes you go, yeah. "Oh, okay." So I'm listening to the Little beginning of, of a tape. So, like, I think, um, and, and of course, I mean, you could. Those are just examples from an album I worked on. I'm sure you have examples of stuff you've worked on where, where you have mm-hmm. specifically, like, were very thoughtful about a certain piece of sound design or effects. Or, but, it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's as long as it's thoughtful, it can achieve things that elevate the art to a different level i believe like it it just that's why i think it's like like you said of course if you can you should like you should go that extra mile and do those 20 different ideas that you have in your head before this <laughs> song is done are you the type of guy that listens to the master like 10 times and has like 30 different versions because oh, you yeah. could never get it completely you, all the way with... My,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like mix and master like all in one file, essentially, because I have a pretty, like, I use a Mac because I, I use Logic, so I have like an iMac Pro, so it can it can handle like a decent amount. I was like, on my old laptop, it was like shitting out every two seconds, like, Towards the end of making like my first album, and I was like, "All right, I need to get something better than this. Like, it's literally not working for me." So I do it all at once. Basically, I feed the mix into like Ozone, is what I use, like for mastering or whatever. But yeah, so I would say on average, a lot of my songs I probably render out like 20 times before the final version is done. And part of that too is just because I'm. I know some of the early versions aren't done. I just render them out just to, like listen to if I need to like in my car or whatever just to hear how it sounds or like if I'm not done with the lyrics yet, like I can think of shit while like while I'm driving or whatever, but yeah, I mean it's it can be <laughs> very painstaking and painful towards the end to like really be like all right, this is done now, I guess. Still sounds like fucking shit, but whatever. And you just get kind of anxious about uploading it or whatever just because like i don't know i put so much time into the production i want people like to think it sounds good or i want to think i did like the most i could do so yeah it's it's a lot but you know wouldn't have it any other way i guess <laughs> uh i mean i feel like i'd rather have like produced my own music than have someone else do it it would be kind of cool to have some maybe someone else like master it or whatever but you know, that all costs money and it's like i invested a decent amount and just like my own equipment and my own software and all that so it's like i'm sure someone else or plenty of other people could get my music to like sound better than what i i could if they were like the right person for like the genre or whatever i'm working on but um or even just like i could record it and have someone else like help mix it or master like i said but i don't know i don't really do that i pretty much mix and master everything on my own at least currently maybe one day i'll outsource a little bit more or if i have like more money or it's something i'm think i should do i've heard people say
0: that like you should at least outsource to reference because mm-hmm. i mean that could even benefit you uh in the sense that like if you were to take a song that you plan on mixing yourself anyways and just send it out to yeah. a couple people and just see what they send you back because right. they could send you a mix that would be so oh oh i guess i could do that mm-hmm. you know I, i'm sure that that's kind of the whole thing about collaboration that I've learned throughout time is just like, yeah, I love working by myself and I love being intuitive, but it's kind of goes back to that whole conversational thread that we have going here about like, you know, your intuition in the universe. Like, yeah, you can be intuitive and you can make great things, but you can also <laughs> try and be in harmony with the universe a little bit. So yeah, I mean, if you send your song out and you get a mix that's amazing, I mean, what's wrong with that? It's even, be- it's, it's the best possible thing that could happen. So that's that's kind, of, and I'm in the same spot as you, honestly. Like I really ought to send my stuff out just to just mm-hmm. to see because I've mixed and mastered my own music from the from the day I uh, came out of my mom's vagina.
1: Oh, yeah, we were talking about that earlier. <laughs> yeah. Do so a, Do you have a video of that? Are you just making the music as soon as you yeah. were born?
0: There's actually a video no. of me using a DAW as I'm coming out of my mother. Oh,
1: yes. Damn.
0: Yeah, they had the microphone, <laughs> and it was it was orchestrated very well. My mom was very dedicated to the idea of me being a musician. So, yeah, I, uh, I just, I feel like I would definitely benefit from just seeing the difference, because I've, one of the most groundbreaking experiences I ever had as a musician is I went to, shout out R-Line. There's a song I have out on a tape called Constellations, which is available on all streaming services. It's, uh, the song that I'm referring to right now is called Dreams. And R-Line was like, hey, I know this producer named Wheat. I want you to, I want to be on a song with you. Or you know what it was? is that I had he had, he had I'd had contacted him. We had met for sixty seconds, and we I did an interview with him. We spoke, so we were acquaintances. And then I had told him I wanted to be on this album, and so that was how the the uh, the link came about. And we link up at Wheat Studio. We record the song, and Wheat showed me his entire process. He showed me how he mixes music. He showed me all the plugins he uses. He told me all about the Slate digital Mm -hmm. uh, plugin pack that you can pay annually for. And he gave me all the tips. He was, he was willing to, I mean, he was even willing to help me out with Studio One and a few other things. And being there in that moment and seeing all of that and hearing it, just, just not only seeing it and just understanding like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about, but then to see the product. Yeah, and be like, oh, like that's what I can sound like with those tools. <laughs> yeah, and he's showing me the tools, and so th- that changed everything for me. That changed the whole game. Because ever since then, I've I've never went back to my old way of mixing. I was I'm ashamed of those days. <laughs> like when I saw that, I was like, oh my god. Oh well, yeah. my God! Thank God, there's not very many witnesses for yeah. what I'm
1: doing. You gotta, you gotta learn the hard way sometimes. Like, I, I, there's been a few people like studios I went to where I like kind of learned from as well. Yeah. Uh, which that definitely helps to like have someone that's like really knowledgeable like show you a few things or just tell you what they use. Yeah, and if
0: you're just but, paying attention and you're interested, you'll learn yeah. so much.
1: I mean, a lot of it too. Like, I honestly probably like just read more like articles and like forums about shit than even like watching videos. Just, I don't know. I like. When I'm looking for an answer for things, going back to technology and Google and all that, I actually kind of like reading it more than watching a video, depending on the thing. Just because like, oh, I guess Google's gotten better now, but where they like automatically skip the video forward to you at like the perfect spot that's going to tell you exactly what you need to know. But before that, like, I don't know, I just like kind of just like reading like a bunch of different people's opinions on like mixing or like how to use like certain plugins and all that kind of shit. So that's like how to use a compressor or like. How to use an eq i used to have like a page bookmarked of like whatever frequency did and uh like for different instruments like what would accent it the best and all that kind of shit or like what kind of compression you might want to use on like a clean guitar versus a distorted versus like drums or like parallel compression and like all these different like mixing techniques and stuff so a lot of i was just like over the years like experimenting with a bunch of things and now not that i don't experiment with things still now but i feel like i did so much when i was younger whether it turned out good or bad that like i actually have like more tools in the toolbox i guess so to speak to think of like okay this instrument needs this specific eq or like compressed around it to like give it a different sound from the rest of the mix or whatever so yeah and, just and, and that time.
0: fundamental knowledge takes you very far i think a lot of people nowadays it's hard to get and the right building blocks because that YouTube atmosphere and it, yeah. it is a lot of it's a whole lot of confusing places to start and some people aren't mm-hmm. going to be very uh intimate with the way that they teach and so you won't feel like you actually retained yeah. much information like I was lucky enough to have a couple mentors along the way. Cause th- yeah. it helps. I mean I mean,
1: just doing things wrong though too also helps. I feel like like sometimes doing things the wrong way will will actually sound better. Like a hundred percent. Like you can have everything like properly gain staged and like your compressor is set to like a reasonable level, but sometimes you're just like, no, I need it sound like shit on purpose. Or like you want to squash the shit out of something or like I don't know. I how I look at different- that
0: is the the if if you want a true example, look at like that one X song that got super popular, uh, XXX Tentacion. Mm-hmm. It was straight up like, if you want a bad mix, there it is. It's his <laughs> vocals are clipping. The whole thing is like compressed yeah. to shit. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter that's a bad mix because that's the mix that resonated with everybody. Right. And so that's where the. The the battle happens in my head because I'm that guy, like I'm a perfectionist like you. Everything has to sound perfect. Like mm-hmm. this can't be over compressed. This can't even be clipping. Like this has to be yeah. just right. I have to if it's recorded badly, we gotta record it again, like all mm-hmm. these
1: different things where it's like,
0: yes, but no. Because yeah. it could also be the case that if you were just like, eh, if it sounds
1: fine the way it is. If there's like a few spots that are like clipping, a lot of times I found it'll still sound fine. I mean if, if if it's just totally clipping then probably not unless you want, want it to sound like that like that way. But like, you know, as I've read an experiment with like people say like there's a good way to add distortion and there's a bad way and generally the bad way is considered clipping on things or like running your gain into your plugins super super hot. Yeah, I'm sure this is very entertaining for the people at home, all this plug talk. <laughs> um but yeah, so I, I generally try not to like do clipping or anything like that anymore. I mean, probably back in the day, a lot of my old mixes did have like clipping in them and like the plugins and stuff like that. But I've gotten more and more away from that, uh, for sure. I, actually, one of my songs, like on my last album, Phase, I think I realized that like the snare drum was just like clipping the whole time. Like every time it hit it was like went into the red. And I just, I, I did so many takes of it. I'm like, there's no way I'm redoing this. That's mm-hmm. insane. I did like 50 takes and I was clipping every single one. I thought it wasn't, but it was for some reason, but I just kept it. And it sounds fine. Like it's fine. Like, but you're just, I'm sure just, in that moment you were like,
0: <laughs> fucking God, yeah. I'm leaving it. Oh. Fuck this shit. Yeah.
1: I was really pissed. I was like, I almost <laughs> considered redoing it. I was like, no, that's insane. I can't do that. And it. you yeah, didn't that, redo uh, it out <laughs> of anger. <laughs> if you like you EQ it the right way, you can get rid of like the clipping or whatever, like sound. And it'll, it's all digital. It's just like ones and zeros. It's, you know. That's fine.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, uh, actually, no, it's not the same thing as ozone, but Isotope. Isotope has really good declipping shit too. Like, it's not perfect, but it it does. It's
1: it's Isotope Ozone is what I use. Oh, it's It's, it's the same brand. So, I mean, they have a bunch of different plugins, but I use like their their mastering suite in particular. I was thinking it was different for some reason. I mean, it might not be a part of like. The mastering pack? I'm not really sure. I've never used it, but that's interesting. So. No,
0: yeah, they, they are all the same company though, because it's. I don't know if it's part of the mastering pack, but it is part of. They have like a couple of things like that. Where it's like they have deverb,
1: declip, de. Interesting. Yeah, deverbing would be. D-Verb works really well. Probably too. be yeah if you have like an echoey room or like you were like remixing someone's track and they sent you like a really, mm-hmm. verby vocal that you was a bit unruly to work with or whatever. That's when
0: you need it the most. Yeah.
1: Is when that happens, but. Honestly, I even use them on these. I use them on
0: the podcasts. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll deverb these and uh, just, just. There's also de noise. That's the other one I wasn't covering. Hmm. Uh, de noise and de click. The de click and the de noise are like magic. I, honestly, those three the what de-verb, de click, de noise. de click, dude? So it's like if I'm, i So I guess it probably wouldn't sound very appealing for me to give the audience an example. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I got the plugin on, so it may not even work. But if I was to go. Okay. Like the, that little sound.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha. When you're
0: singing, um, with, let's say I got this thing turned way up, and I'm singing very, very precise vocals where it's like I'm going to, like, I'm I'm like this and I really got it. Like something mm-hmm. like that where I'm really, really quiet. That was terrible singing just now, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> but, it was great. Thank you. So I'm doing that, and if I'm way too hard on those consonants or whatever those k- sounds are and all mm-hmm. those... K- like, just those little things, are mm. p- p- that's another like, one.
1: It's almost like a de then, but maybe yeah. slightly different, but more for consonants. Exactly, and it, mm-hmm. and it,
0: it makes everything sound smoother, especially nice. when you have a good microphone that's going to pick up that stuff. You need something like that that's going yeah. to smooth it out, because it, I have to imagine if you were doing something like, well, podcasting, of course, but mm-hmm. also audiobooks. If you're doing an audiobook, yeah. you need that shit. Ain't no way you're not using it. And the other <laughs> one that I mentioned was Denoise. That's crazy, too. Like, the Denoise really works. And it's simply dropping the noise floor just yeah. based on...
1: Interesting. Uh, I think it's all, like, AI shit. I don't know how right. it works. Yeah, usually I just, like... Well, not for, like... It would be interesting to hear how it would sound, like, while you're actually singing or rapping or whatever. But usually, like, if I'm mixing a song, I'll just, like, kind of delete and or, like, turn the volume all the way down in, like, any spaces, like, in the tracks or, you know, if you don't mm. want that ambient, like, noise in the background or, like, my even, cat meowing or whatever. But even on the take, like, even as I'm
0: vocalizing, yeah, yeah. it's cutting the noise no, out. No, yeah,
1: that's, yeah, It blows sure.
0: my mind because, like, you wouldn't think that that would matter that much, and, and I have to imagine someone who's not an audiophile probably tuned out 20 minutes ago. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like so all right, yeah. The, per- the people who are listening probably know this shit matters. I'm telling you, it matters so much. Just noise and and how clean a recording can be. So the the isotope stuff, mm. like the D-verb, D verb D, the 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 cleanup stuff. Yeah. It is essential. I would not go a mix without it at this point. That stuff's
1: magic to me. For sure. Yeah. I mean, do you have a... I, while we're on plugins, do you got a favorite plugin? Um, yeah, I add so much like echo and reverb to a lot of my singing anyway, so it's just like... I, And distortion sometimes, so I, I try to make my shit sound fucked up. I imagine if you're going for like a more cleaner vocal, though, it would definitely uh, be nice. I, I mean, I do record some hip hop. But yeah, favorite plugin. Um... I forgot that your music was so
0: dreamy. That's right. Yeah,
1: just, <laughs> I just try to sound like uh, like an alien on purpose. So, um, <laughs> so it's hard to say. I mean, a lot of them are just like I feel like the foundation of any like mix sounding good is just going to be like the compressors and the EQ that you use, and obviously, of course, like the original like source recording. But beyond that, so like I have a lot of Softube plugins. It's a brand. It's like this people from i think uh sweden that make them they have like a lot of emulations of like real life like hardware compressors or eqs or whatever what have you that sound really good i don't know i just got into them years ago and i've just like kind of stuck with it i know a lot of other companies like including like waves or like slate and some other ones like do emulations as well but i really like the soft tube ones i like the tube tech compressor and the fet compressor uh, in particular I use those almost on like every single mix uh, I've made for like the past five six years or more. Why? Uh, the tone just the tone yeah and I, I just feel like they they just sound really good and they' and they're like they're mod like I said they're modeled after like compressors that are like extremely expensive like the tube tech like I'm pretty sure like Kanye has one like they're like very they're pretty well known like pieces of gear and they're they're very expensive. Um, I found this new one called I think it's called Stardust. And it, uh, it's like a model of a uh, Roland tape echo. And it sounds fucking sweet. I don't know why I didn't have something better years ago. Like I used to use like Logic, like stock, like echo plug-in, or maybe a couple other ones to do like reverb and delay, like on my vocals in particular. But this this one sounds sweet because there's like a lot of shit you can do with it. And it's like I said, like kind of based off that analog Roland uh, Space Echo, which is like an actual like machine. I don't know if you've seen them before. There's actual like tape that you had to put in these to like produce the ec- like the reverb or delay that comes out of them, and they can come up with some very wacky, interesting uh, tones if you like crank up like the intensity dial or whatever. That it, it was it's very <laughs> very odd. Um, I also like what's it called the uh, J37 tape emulator from Waves. I know there's some other ones out there too, but it gives you like the, the most basic thing it does is it like turns your regular instruments and gives it a more of a tape sound, I guess, whatever that means. It just kind of like subdues it. I used to but, use a
0: tape emulator and now I do vinyl. Yeah, I have a vinyl one that I really like the,
1: the sound of. But the the part I really like about the J37 is that it has like wow and flutter on it, which I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's basically. I don't really understand it exactly, but I think it's it like setting. T- a
0: tape has wow and flutter. Yeah, if a, you had an actual tape, it would yeah, have exactly. those qualities.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you can change, you can change it on this plugin to turn the wow like way up, and it starts making everything sound like basically like a vibrato pedal, like very like really? kind of thing. And then you can turn like the tape echo up. And it, I don't know, I've I've used that on like a lot of my songs. Like, there's my my secret. Don't tell anyone. So I will know if you if you stole it, but. Uh, basically it's uh I don't know it just sounds really cool and it's like a really easy way to like make something to sound fucking weird without like having to try that hard it's just, like been like kind of a go-to thing of mine the wow the wow yes the wow and and the the flutter to a lesser the flutter kind of like makes the volume go up and down a little bit but the wow with like the tape echo uh, is like kind of a really really nifty little effect to add on like synths or like lead guitar lines even just like weird sh- I don't really use it, like the wow on my vocals too much. I maybe have a couple times, but um other than that like for effects, like actual effects, I usually just use like my pedal board for like if I'm recording guitar. Synth sometimes I'll use like a like reverb or like uh, echo plugin. I have a couple like phaser plugins too that I'll use occasionally, but like I said, I think the foundation of like the tone of a mix is going to be more from the compressor and the equalizer. So a few soft tube equalizers I use. A few, uh, uh, and I- the Isotope equalizer is really nice. It's just like really transparent. Uh, if you put it like on the digital setting. Um, but yeah, that's it. I don't know. I've, <laughs> I probably should buy some more new plug. I haven't like bought that many plugins. I went to like a kick like many many years ago where I invested like an ass load of money in the plugins, and I've been fairly happy with it and haven't bought like too many since yeah. then, so.
0: I bought a couple plugins over the last few years, but I'm the same as you for the most part. Like, I, 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 there was that story that I just told where that guy got me hooked on that whole Slate digital thing, and since then, it's just that and a couple extra things, and I've been set, too. Why yeah, you don't, would I get anything else? I mean, it's, it just,
1: it's, it adds up, like. Yeah, and it adds up, yeah. Plugins are expensive. Like, it would be, if I had the money and I was a professional studio, then yeah, it'd be awesome. I'd fucking... buy more different brands, try other things out and just, like, mix and match more often, but, like, if you have something that works and you've put some money into it, there's no... Like, Softube, like, provides, like, constant updates to their plugins, too, like, to make them sound better or function better or whatever. I mean, I may or may not have, like, hacked some plugins and shit, too, you know, like... no, You know, I didn't do that. Like, a friend of a... You know, not even a friend. A guy I know, basically. So, you know, there's always that, too. Like, if you've... (laughs) if you, if you want to try out some plugins or whatever I'm like a lot of them have like free trials i know some plugins have gone towards like subscription service models which i haven't really gotten into cuz like i've bought all mine like from SoftTube. and like but yeah that's that's it. i i have a couple like hardware things too. i do have like a hardware compressor that's a summit audio nice it's like it's a little tube compressor which is cool i use that on a lot of my tracks i have uh another like preamp that's like a pretty nice like preamp that I think it's called a great river which I use on my vocals some a lot usually on bass too sometimes guitar other than that I would like to buy like a actual physical equalizer I think it would be cool to invest money in that um but once again you know that would be cool I don't I I had this thought recently and
0: I don't know how accurate it is but I get the sense that it is Uh, And it's that, it's an intuitive thought. It's one that I came up with in my backyard. It was one of my stoner Ah, archetype thoughts. Gotcha. But the whole thing was, like, organic is better. Analog is better. Yeah. And people naturally feel this way. I mean, when you see something that's real as opposed to something that's digital. And this goes for everything. Like, if I see... If I'm, um, if I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example, but let's just go with one. uh, Let's say I, I want to come up with something that's real good. So let's say I hear some music. Okay, I hear some music on my phone. That's cool. But when I hear that music live, that's a whole different feeling. Let's just go with that one. Mm -hmm. Or I like to look at it too, where it's like another basic example that we all are familiar with. I'm talking to you here in person. That's an entirely fundamentally different experience than if I was talking to you through a phone. Right. And even though those two things, even though those that might seem abstract, I think that when you apply that to like analog versus digital, it's just true. Like you will never ever perfectly replicate analog through oh, yeah. digital yes. ever.
1: It's physically that, impossible. Definitely a big, big nerd debate in the uh, in the music production scene for sure of analog versus digital. I will say, yeah, I mean, especially, like, after I bought, like, a real synth, uh, I have, like, a mini Log, and I also have a, a Yamaha DX7, which is, that's technically a digital synth, but, I mean, it's a physical unit that produces sounds. It just sounds so much better than using, like, the virtual in- instruments on Logic. Like, don't get me wrong, I do, like, use those still occasionally, more as, like, kind of ghost layers or, like, just to, like, start something, but, like, to have, like a like, a physical synth, like, creating... The the music it, it sounds a lot better. I mean, also too, yeah, like the compressor. That's part of why I bought that compressor. Like, I still use my compressors like on Logic, like the plugins. But it is nice to give it that extra like real tone to run it through that. That's why I kind of want to get an equalizer too. So it's like I'm getting my guitar, or vocals, or whatever, what have you, closer to how I want it to sound before I fuck with it at all mm. in Logic, which I feel like is probably what most of the big money, like, best studios actually do that have, like, consoles and, like, different, like, you know, racks of effects. Like, you're, you're recording it, like, to a higher degree of, like, sound quality right into the system before you even add any of these these plugins to it. Then once you do that, then you're going to... Yeah, Get a million dollar recording, you know, I guess.
0: <laughs> a younger me would have thought, like, nonsense, you're adding plugins to your recording before you even put it on the, like, I mm-hmm. would have thought that's crazy to bake them into the recording.
1: It can be, if you go, like, too extreme with it, you can fuck it up, though. It's like, if you, say, add, like, a ton of treble because you thought it sounded really cool, like, when you are monitoring yourself and you come back later and then, like, you're stuck with that. So that's like that can be the danger of it, or same thing with like having a physical compressor. Like, oh, I thought it sounded cool to be this compressed, but then later I'm like, no, it sounds kind of shitty. So it's and like you can't man, uncompress. Yeah, you it. can't uncompress. I mean, maybe there's a plugin from uh, Isotope uncompresses <laughs> me. I don't fucking know. Decompress. Did <laughs> that be fucking can, wild? Um, man. But yeah, so that can be the danger of dealing with uh, if you're, especially if you're inexperienced and you're not or you're not sure what you want. You record it and it sounds fucked up. It's kind of like recording something clipping. That's why, like in the box or whatever, just you know, you can fuck with just like a pure raw signal that hasn't been fucked with at all with plugins, and then you can change it as all you want from there. But but, yeah. but it's the analog versus
0: digital. That's what it comes back to at that point. It's like yeah. there is a value to using those
1: analog. Oh yeah, for sure. If you get good with them and you have really good gear, I, I don't think anything's gonna fully replace that. I mean, now going like analog all the way with like recording everything on tape. Now that's like an art that I have not really gotten into at all. Like, which I know some bands that some people are really big on, which I I know a lot of people too. Like, will record on tape and then transfer it into like Pro Tools or Logic or whatever. So they're really kind of getting the best of both worlds. They're getting that like tape analog sound with the convenience of like digital editing or whatever. Like, to, to commit to this like recording your whole album on tape with no Pro Tools whatsoever is like a That's, like, a next-level kind of thing to do, which I really respect anyone that, like, has the knowledge to do that or, like, the musical skill to not fuck up enough that you just can do it all on tape and make maybe a few splicings here and there. But I don't know. Well, you know what? Remind? Oh, oh, go go ahead. Sorry. It wasn't important.
0: Well, I was going to say—when I was coming up with examples, that just brought me back to probably the best example is film versus digital when Mm. it comes to, like, a visual example. All you need to do is see what film looks like compared to a digital recording. And you're like, whoa, film is, it's so much, there's something about the warmth and the the, the tone of film that, is digital not even comparing to that. Yeah. And, and those directors that still film in uh, in film, the ones that film in film, yeah. they are looked at like, whoa, you guys are taking this really seriously because it's like what you just said. They're brave enough to yeah. be confident. Like, okay, we we can't fuck up. We have to get this right. We only got this much film. We can't afford to go buy more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a different, different mentality. It's more, more old school. But yeah, it does arguably uh, yield better results like visually for, for film or, or audio for, for music. I mean, that's why a lot of those old recordings still sound like so good. It's because they, especially like from the 70s, I feel like was like maybe a golden era or like early 80s of like tape recording yeah, and everything uh, and we do now is... And the technology and the, the skill that like went behind like creating those kind of like albums. It's interesting because
0: we um, never really evolved on it, I don't think. We just kind of emulate it now. We
1: don't yeah. we don't expand on it. Because I believe like starting sometime in the 80s, early 80s, the mid 80s, like everything just started going to to digital mm. more or less. Like even like, you know, like big time recordings from like big record labels. Like artists started doing all digital because it was considered the future. This is new. This is easier. But arguably, the the sound quality wasn't quite as good, or especially like in the 90s too, when everything really went full digital. You can kind of hear that like 90s digital recording sound, and like from 90s songs. Not that it sounds like horrible or anything, but it's just different than like 80s recordings or 70s recordings, or even like now. Arguably, is like the golden age of like digital recordings because we've it's come so like full circle where we're like utilizing both techniques, and like the plugins are like so good, and like computers are so fast that it's like it's getting harder and harder to tell like the difference between analog and digital, but there's still value, I think,
0: yeah. in the analog somewhere. You know, you'll never hear an analog podcast. That just occurred to me.
1: You know how much of a bitch it would be? <laughs> I have a tape a uh, tape machine. Yeah, you if you want to borrow it uh, and uh record your whole podcast through tape and then uh <laughs> I could do and, a separate
0: Yeah. Oh my god. And
1: then you have to like combine them together somehow.
0: Right? Yo, I could be the first analog <laughs> podcast.
1: Yeah, my grandma gave me like my my step grandpa's like old tape uh machine player recorder like last Christmas to like fuck with and like I got super into it for, like, a couple months, and honestly, I haven't, like, fucked with it too much since. It's just, first off, it's, like, not in the best condition to, like, really use for recording. There's a few problems with it. But also, it's just, like, so much work. Like, especially I was because I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I can, like, record, like, my guitar through this and then put it into Logic, and it's going to, like, give it the sound. And, like, it, it did sound kind of cool, but I felt I felt like it wasn't really worth all the hassle. What did you have to do to route it? Dude, I don't even remember but it took me fucking forever to figure out how to route it and how to get it to like in in sync with Logic and all this shit. And it was it was a lot. So it was, oh, because not only <laughs> did you have to get it plugged in, you had to get it to sync so yeah, that you I mean, could it was, actually play it. It was just like a single track uh, recorder, or maybe you could do two tracks at the same time. But it's like I couldn't make up like a whole like the people that have like the heavy duty equipment have like you know like a sixteen track or thirty two track like unit of fucking like tape machines that a whole band can like plug into it at once and you can mix everything like right from that or as far as I understand. This is just more of like a home hobbyist like recording thing. I was I was having fun with just like sending like my music like into the tape machine just to see how it would sound like on tape or whatever and then like play it back through my speakers, which it was kind of cool. it would be like, wow, like I can transfer this computer into this piece of technology from the 70s and then play it back and it like kind of gives it its own like tone that wouldn't exist without it. Like that was nifty, but... Yeah. That was more just for fun, I realized. For there's me. gotta be there's <laughs> better ways to do that though.
0: Cause I mean that was a failure. That one might have not worked out the way you wanted it to. But yeah. there are definitely times where people have done things just like that. I think um one awesome example uh is the Flowbots song. Or no, it's Gorillas. The Gorillas song. I think it's Feel Good Ink? No, I don't think it's Feel Good Ink. I think it's uh what's that one? The other one that everybody knows, not Feel Good Inc., but the one that goes, oh, I'm not going to remember it, but the synth line, whatever that synth line is, they got it from just some little, like, kid's music thing, so, and it's just like, they were playing with it one day, they found that sound, and then that sound, you'd never guess where that sound came from, Mm -hmm. but it's just a matter of experimenting and putting something up against a microphone. And and I guess it goes back to that FX thing we were talking about, about like how exploring and
1: finding things. There was a a band called um, Self, and um, they recorded a whole album. I think it was, I want to say late 90s this album came out. It was all with toy instruments, basically. But it's kind of like a weird kind of 90s alt uh, indie sort of vibe to the album overall, but like everything he used was a toy instrument. That's like some stop type <laughs> shit. <laughs> but it sounds good. Like it sounds like legit like That's music cool. or whatever. But I don't know. It's kind of funny that he decided to do that. Um, yeah, there was a co- there was a cover of uh, "What a Fool Believes" by the Doobie Brothers on that album, which is really good. That it's like all with toy synths and shit. Yeah, I gotta like piss really bad. If we can take just like a brief go for it, brief break, have fun. Yeah, it's just a podcast. More just like hanging out. It's not really like a formal interview or anything. No, Um, and that's what I I like about it is that
0: we're not trying too hard to make it all about me. Like I, Mm -hmm. I think that what I like when I hear a podcast is that I feel like I'm getting to know a person beyond whatever it is their art is or whatever and so mm-hmm. that's why I don't even think about it Behind. that's why I'm willing to dive into plug-in talk for Behind. 20 minutes because I, <laughs> I don't care <laughs> like whatever
1: I'm just you know, talking yeah. I, need so- I need someone to talk in the-, this is the matter. <laughs> not make sense to this shit you know the ladies don't really care about plugins. is what I've realized you know they, they think the, sc- the studio is cool for like five minutes then after that they're like alright you listen to the same part of the same fucking song like a hundred times in a row it's like isn't it good by now it's like no I had to switch the release and the attack on my FET compressor, and uh, then I tried out my other one. It's just like, yeah.
0: Baby, like, listen. Yeah. Listen, to, listen to mix A versus mix B. Tell me which is better.
1: Yeah. Like, there's no fucking difference. All right. You're insane. You're literally insane. Um, You're like, but the release is a whole different... You, are, you aren't listening. Get yeah. out. <laughs> the transient just pops so much different now. Yeah,
0: you You don't know music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but that's those are the kinds of things you have to think about as producer which you're trying to listen for those like imperceptible differences that you're like is this even like can a human even tell the difference and you you convince yourself you can after you smoke enough weed or whatever then you're like oh I sm- it's too much now then you don't even <clears throat> then you don't even know anymore.
0: Wow, yeah, that's that's definitely I, I, I cuz I think what happens is I'll I'll get too high to the point where my music doesn't sound like my music anymore. <laughs>
1: Like, is this me that did this? Like, what
0: exactly? (laughs) And then I'm like, oh no, this I could, whoever did this could do better. And all of a sudden, I can, I I can pick out flaws in it that, like, before I identified with it, but now I'm too high and I can't identify with anything, including my own music. So it's just, (laughs) just yeah, I can't identify with anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Please do not refer to me. I do not, I no longer exist. Um, I'm an alien, yeah. So to get into what we just talked about off camera for a second here. Yeah, After you were I, gonna tell me about actually. I, and... I had to pee maniacally, and I bring this gigantic jug of water with me everywhere. And I just, uh, you know, it's the only way to like rehydrate. Hey, excuse
0: at... <laughs> me, you're talking to a guy that's got uh, two no, gallons maybe, on him on the regular. We got some
1: big jugs in here, I'll say, you know.
0: Um, okay, maybe one gallon, but one
1: gallons. Um,
0: we got <laughs> we got two big jugs in this room.
1: We do. Uh, we're, we're I can up. only
0: fit one in my hand at a time. <laughs>
1: You know, you're gonna have to grow another hand. Oh wait, here there.
0: Um, Whoa.
1: So, <laughs> um so This alien thing's weird. Yeah, I have hands, I can use those. Um so yes, basically I'm obviously I've been into music for a long time. That was like my main like passion, hobby, whatever you wanna call it. Uh Somewhat of, I wouldn't say profession really, because I don't like make that much money doing it. Uh, I mean, most people don't, unless you like, get insanely lucky or just like come up with a hit that everyone loves, which I haven't done quite yet. Um, but yeah, so I work at like an axe throwing uh, place called Detroit Axe, and I started working there a few years ago, like right before the pandemic. I was just like, kind of looking for a job. I, I knew a few people working there. One of them is actually my mu- uh, musician friend uh, Jay Rose. He does. Beatboxing and uh, rapping and vocal looping. He'd actually be a really interesting guy for you to have a podcast with. Uh, he travels around, does a lot of different shows. He's kind of a funny guy. Did you say Jay um, Rosa? Uh, Jay Rose. His Jay Rose. Julian Rosen. So yeah, he's he's like a musician. But yeah, he worked at Detroit Axe as well, along with my current roommate, uh, Dan Amboy, who I've collaborated with. He's like a hip-hop artist. He, he raps or whatever. So anyways, they got me into working there. I started learning how to throw axes. So it's like a whole like competitive like sport and... A lot of shit that goes behind it. Basically, my job was, like, to teach people how to throw axes and, like, monitor their safety because there's alcohol involved. Like, people are drinking, like, while they're throwing or, like, not, like, holding a beer in one hand and throwing in the other, more, like, you know, like in between their turns. So, anyways, COVID happened. Like, they closed down for a while. Like, whatever. I started getting unemployment and shit. So, I was, like, fine. So, then I, I ended up coming back after COVID because i don't know i just like i really liked the job and i thought it was like fun and i wanted to keep going with it and i didn't really have anything else like super lined up at the time so basically i I joined their leagues there started getting like better and better uh kept working i still work there now basically i got to the point where like i qualified to go to like the world championship last year in 2022 which is in toronto called the International Axe Throwing Championship uh, International Axe Throwing Federation that's like what Detroit Axe is like affiliated with or whatever. So basically there's like thousands of people that like compete and like try out for this and it's like the top 256. So I was able to get like a top 10 finish last year in the uh, the axe throwing championship. I got, like, 7th place. I made, like, $600. Is
0: it like darts where you're just attempting to throw the axe at a
1: specific? Yes. And that it's a point system depending on how close you are to the center? Exactly, yeah. So there's, uh, I mean, (laughs) it's hard to, like, describe without, like, having a picture of it. So, you know, there's, like, two, basically two big axe-throwing federations. Like, some people... uh, the other big one is on ESPN. It's called Waddle World Axe Throwing League. We're at Detroit Axe's International Axe Throwing Federation. I know I'm getting into more nerdy shit no one cares about. Um, so Dude, b- there's c- some guy who throws axes out there. And it's like, finally, yeah, he's finally, representing me. Finally, I'm representing. Um, so, yeah, because I know some people are like, oh, I've seen it on ESPN. So it's like, yeah, that's technically not the exact style or rules of axe throwing I do. But they're both actually really big organizations that have like a lot of people that do them. A lot of people of the best throwers do both, because they're a little bit different of a technique or, like, rules or whatever. I've, I've tried the other one, too. So, anyways, so, yeah. Uh, I got like okay.
0: so there's different little Yeah, rules like, basically, like, intro. I, like,
1: step, you, like, step into your throw. If you're, like, an IATF thrower, you throw, like, an axe with, like, a shorter handle so it rotates faster. World Axe Throwing League is more like you, like, stand there and you, you don't step. You just throw, like, more like a dart because the foul line's slightly further back. So it was like a different axe or like technique used for it. It's like a longer handled axe usually. But that would completely change the way yeah. you throw. It changes, quite, it changes quite a bit. I mean, if you're good at one, you'll get decent at the other. One's more like a lunge almost. Yeah, it's more like, it's, yeah, the one you're like, I'm step, like, so when I throw, it's like I'm stepping into my throw and kind of like flicking at the end. So there's like a bullseye, which you have to get your like your blade completely into this like seven inch circle. Every fifth throw you go for what it's called is a clutch, which is like a smaller circle. With like a rectangle in the middle of it that you have to like split the rectangle with your blade completely. So it's it's very it's a very intense, like difficult like throw to master. So anyway, so since I work at this axe venue, I've had a lot of time over the last couple of years to like practice. And I've gotten I've gotten pretty decent at it. I'm like ranked in like top 20 in like premier uh, axe throwing rules for IETF right now, which is kind of insane. So it's actually turned into like a big like hobby or like passion in my life uh, along with like music. there's it's actually a lot of like fun, like community, like talking about socializing with humans, stuff really like, like we all get together. We have like leagues, you know, and like there's tournaments and like, I've met a bunch of people from like out of state that I would literally have no idea, you know, existed otherwise if it weren't for x throwing. and everyone's like pretty like cool and like accepting and all that. And does like their own thing outside of x throwing. But I mean, there is like a competitive side to it and you can make, you can make money if you like win or like do well in tournaments. So um I'm going back actually in June this June to Toronto again. So I qualified for the championship. And actually tonight, which is why I have to get out of here. I mean I still have time, but I wanted like a little bit of a break. I'm gonna go to our Thursday league and for Detroit Acts in Corktown, which is like basically downtown Detroit. There's like our, our playoff tournament for our Thursday league is tonight. So that's all I'll be doing after this tonight. Okay. And is it always in Detroit? uh we have there's like three locations i I work at the one mostly out in like macomb like partridge creek mall area and then there's like one in ferndale and there's one in uh in detroit like proper so it's like a little mini chain they all have like leagues and whatever and like we have tournaments occasionally and stuff so there's a couple other venues too in, in michigan in the area i mean they're they're popping up everywhere like It's becoming, like, a really, like, more popular sport. It's still, like, a niche sport, but it's, like, becoming a more, like, popular, like, pastime or thing to do, like, like, like a bowling league or, like, going to play pool at a bar or whatever. It's just, like, it's its own sport, its its own thing. I had, like, literally zero idea what it was before I started working at Detroit Axe. I just thought it was just, like, people just fucking throwing axe and, like, I didn't know, like, all the shit that went into it. But it's uh, it can be very, like, addicting uh, or, like, I don't know. I guess I'm just, like, a driven person. So, like, when I first started doing it, and I kind of liked it. I was like, I'm gonna get fucking good at this, like, because I was like doing decent right away. But it was like, no, like I have to be like one of the best people, like a Detroit axe, if I'm gonna fucking do this. or and I'm gonna be. And it sounds like
0: you've accomplished that too. Man. I guess,
1: yeah. I mean, the competition's like really insanely tough in Detroit. There's a lot of really good axe throwers in this area, or people that compete in our leagues. But um, you know, I try to give them a run, run for their money. You know, when you Whenever say you
0: top twenty, you're top twenty out of.
1: Out of, yeah, like out of thousands that compete in IATF. So basically it just kind of goes by like how you do in your leagues and like the tournaments have like a higher stake to like your ranking or whatever, Uh, whether it's a league tournament or just like another like tournament tournament. Um, So yeah, it's all like, it's it's pretty, I wouldn't say like professionalized because no one's getting rich from it, but it's like, there is like a database, like a system where like everyone's like scores, average, Your bullseye percentage, clutch percentage, win-loss record is all, like, calculated and stored. And, like, there's, like, a ranking, like, based on, like, how you perform or, like, what your expected performance would be against, like, other ranked players, basically.
0: Mm.
1: So it's, like, a whole, like, algorithm. (laughs) <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, really... I know. But if people, people complain about it, too, because they're like, oh, it's this, you know, fuck the algorithm. It's like, it doesn't make any sense, because, like, these players shouldn't be ranked here. Or, like, I'm too low, blah, blah, whatever, but... It's yeah, hard so, to
0: score a sport like that, I'm sure, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to come up with, like, a perfect system, I think. I mean, I'm not, like, an algorithm guy, necessarily, so if someone... I More mean, in that field might be able to figure that out better. I don't know. Cause it's not, it'd be like, you'd
0: need a guy who's really interested in axe throwing, but is also like super into statistics.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what you need. I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that are like engineers that are like axe into axe because They like, like the precision of mm-hmm. it or like the numbers behind it. Oh, that makes sense. Me personally. It's like, I don't know. I've always been, I was in like sports when I was younger. I mean, I still kind of am to an extent. Like I used to play hockey competitively, like travel. younger so i feel like there's that like competitive side of me which i think also helps with my music too because i'm like i guess i'm more like competing against myself to like make a better mix or a better song or like even though you know like i'll listen to like local bands and be like do my recordings sound like as good as theirs or they sound shittier like am i like you know competing (laughs) with my music's not really a competition i never really want to think of that way everyone just making art and like doing their own thing but you know to an extent i want to be like oh like my music like sucks compared to like all these other bands that like are local, you know. Like mm-hmm. although I don't always like, think of it as just local too. Like I wanna make music that can be considered good, you know, worldwide or on you know, a planet yeah. sixty nine, even like <laughs> <laughs> I'm shooting for the <laughs> stars, not, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not just like, oh, uh, am I as good as like some other like local bands in the area. It's like, you know, you wanna like make music you think is good no matter what, like the qual like sound quality wise and songwriting wise. Um,
0: well, I've heard people say, um, that they, I can't remember what sport they were talking about, but I remember I was listening to something before. And so somebody just learned a new sport and I can think of a few that fit this, this description. So I'll just name a few. I just can't remember which one it was, but let's say like bowling, axe throwing, golf, not even golf. No, probably bowling and axe throwing. Maybe a few others. Golf would count actually. Yeah. Golf's one. But, but what I'm trying to get at is that these are all sports that, are mainly based on personal performance. Yeah. It's not a group
1: sport. You're not worried no. about what like it, it if you fail it's cuz you failed. No, I think that's what I like about it. Like to cuz like team sports, obviously I played hockey, which was fun and uh, and all that I was pretty competitive with it. But yeah, that is the nice thing about axe throwing cuz it's just like it's just you really against the target. Like you are directly the way the games work is you're like throwing side by side with someone who's on a different target and you're trying to like outscore them or like win more rounds than them or whatever. However, you really only can be like frustrated with yourself exactly. if you lose because there's no defense really. Like you just have to throw as perfect as you can. And like yeah, it is similar I think to like golf or bowling. Like I said, like individual sports where like a lot of the games like mental but obviously there's a lot of technique involved too. Like I guess like tennis or like maybe swimming or also like oh yeah individual. swimming would definitely be one and I mean obviously all different techniques and different things. Or track but, uh, and field. Track and field. Yeah, individual sports. It's a different mentality, which I guess kind of maybe carries over to being like like I said like an artist. Like if you're like a rapper, it's like it's on yourself to like I know rappers in particular actually maybe are more competitive than like historically than the average musician because they're like yeah this fucking whack MC you ain't gonna be me like whatever like there's like battle rapping and shit like whereas like. Indie rockers are like, yeah, man, I'm just doing it for the love, for the music, man. Like, we can all make it together, like, you know, whatever. But I don't, I feel like that's partially bullshit. I know, like, some musicians have to be, like, slightly, like, some sort of, like, fire, like, competitiveness. Like I said, like, you don't want to be, like, the one that makes the shittiest songs in the area, you know? Like, I don't want to be known for, like, yeah, this guy's music's whack. Like, how does he even get shows, you know? Like, what the fuck?
0: Well, I mean, that's why, that's, that's, for me, that's where the connection comes in between, like, a sport where you are trying to be better than yourself. Like, you're trying, the only one you can blame is yourself. It's all about improving yourself and getting the best you can at that sport. You know, there's something about the the individuality of that that really attracts me. And I think that music is the exact same way. I just know it. I know it's, like, I, know, it's all me. No one else can can yeah. take this away from me. No one else can tell me what it is. No one else can, like, it's ultimately up to me to I- expand sure. upon whatever it is that yeah. I've created here. And, and there's just something so cool about that. And, yeah. It's and, like, uh,
1: satisfying to hear the final product of the self-expression. And,
0: and, and to know that it's not the final product, to know yeah. that it's the final product right now but maybe in five days I'll make a whole new song and that'll be completely different. Like, right. It's just really cool to have a grasp on your creativity and, yeah. and, and to be able to become more proficient in that because that's the, that's, what I'm, that's the connection I'm trying to make between the sport thing. It's like you mm-hmm. want to get better at the sport just yeah. like you want to get better at the music like yeah like you're saying you're not necessarily in competition with all these other musicians but that's not the point yeah, like I, you
1: want to be better i really hate like the concept of like battle of the bands like so much like in high school it was fun like actually my band won our senior year my like pop punk band that's i that was really where i started was like i'm from like metal the pop punk that i actually was or still am like a rapper like i was like really into it especially from like 18 to 20. Then I kinda of moved away from that and I've been more just like kind of indie rock pop, getting gradually more uh, I guess weird or psychedelic as I've gotten older and to just kind of gotten comfortable with how I make music now.
0: I can understand or whatever. that,
1: man. I mean, let but, me say,
0: as a rapper who dived into indie music, it it I my heart is still deep in those lemon collie songs. And yeah. if I had another indie band come along that was yeah. the right fit, I could fall right back in there. Yeah. So I, I I have a particular love for for Music that allows me to ascend mm-hmm. above this realm. I think indie music can do that in a way that a lot of genres can. I'm like, whoa! This is this is, yeah, this is different. This, it just feels powerful, and I I really like indie music a lot. So
1: I yeah, don't I just feel fall
0: like, to it all. for yeah, falling like genre, so deep.
1: I just I, I honestly have kind of like what partially led to like some of the style of music I I make now is because I do like hip hip hop a lot, and I like I like rapping and stuff too. Like a lot of different rappers and like old school hip hop in particular, like Dr. Dre, I really like like his beats and like his approach to music and like the West Coast style. So basically what I started to do was I used to think like guitar, bass, drum, that's indie music, that's like in my early twenties, like that's rock, rock and roll. And then I eventually, I don't know, like more weed I smoked or like I don't know, psychedelics that I tried when I was slightly younger, I just started like merging the electronic shit together more with, like, my guitar and real bass and real drums to, like, to the point where it is now where it's, like, it just all goes together. Like, I used to think they had to be separate. I thought like synths in, like, rock music was, like, whack or whatever when I was younger. I was like, that's not punk or whatever. But now it's, like, I wouldn't think twice about adding synths and electronic drums to my songs to, like, kind of merge the styles together, which I feel like that's pretty much where indie music has been kind of going for a while now, but I think it just Maybe it took people a while to like figure out, like, yeah, just like combine it all together, like, make it kind of more genreless, which is more or less what I kind of try-ish to go for. Like, I still really like rapping too. I like, guess fun to rap. I just feel like I rap- <laughs> it brings out like all my worst impulses as a person. Like, I'm just gonna like start talking about like my dick or like poop or something or like <laughs> I don't I don't know. Like, I'll just like be like a total asshole because i I can't i can rhyme it together and like be funny about it which is cool but it's like i like uh for like if i'm a singer songwriter i don't have to like it's like less words i don't have to like you've like rapping is like like i could probably fit like fucking almost a whole album worth of like lyrics in like two rap songs you know as like an indie artist so it's like it's like it's like a writer's uh if you're like a really committed to the writing and the rhyming and you want to express yourself that way, it's definitely, it's cool, it's good. And I I can do it to an extent, but then it's like, I like the more mysterious, I don't know if mysteriousness is the right word to say, but just like the more sort of uh, short form of writing like rock lyrics. I mean, obviously rock or like pop lyrics don't have to be that way. They can be very verbose and like wordy and like rhymey and all that, but... Uh, for a lot of my music I don't have to I don't know as many words I don't have to write I need to leave it more open-ended and I can be I don't know I'm more likely less to like sing about stupid shit although I do have some songs that are pretty like <laughs> profane I won't lie but that's not like my norm necessarily there's no poop songs? no, no, poop, no poop songs I think that the, my song the only punk rocker in the world which is on Faze my, my latest, uh, latest album like I think I talk about like I don't know what did I say? Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I have to listen to it. Like, it's like ripping off, like, a bitch's tits or, like, I don't know, I <laughs> say, like, because I'm, like, so punk rock. It was supposed to be, like, because the album was phase. it was supposed to almost be, like, representing, like, like my youth, like, some, like, where I'm just, like, really stubborn and I'm going to say, like, stupid shit kind of thing. Oh, so it's in character for you to say that. Yeah, it was definitely, it was, like, in character. It wasn't supposed to be, like, the real me, necessarily, um, but... I think I made a song called F-Bombs, which is, like, it's kind of political almost, which I usually don't really like political songs. It was around the time, like, Trump was, like, kind of rising to power, like, campaigning, and I was, like, watching all the Republican, like, presidential nominees, and it was, like, really pissed me off. They're all talking about, like, no, I'd bomb the shit out of him. No, I would bomb. I was, like, they're all, like, talking about who would bomb, like, the Middle East the hardest or whatever. I was, like, this is so fucking stupid. So I wrote <laughs> this song called F-Bombs. Part of it was, like, about that, and I say, like, fuck, like, every two words, but... Other than that, I actually try to keep it like fairly clean-ish when I when I write these days, just because I think it's more universal or classic to keep it that way, and don't want to like be like overly specific or like overly like profane without it being like for a reason, I guess. Which sometimes can be a challenge to being like a solo artist, because there you know there is that urge to perhaps overindulge in like whatever you think is funny or like weird and other people are gonna be like all right that's like become too intuitive yeah you you become too intuitive exactly you got to get out there you got to like take a step back from like you know i can maybe come up with a better lyric or something that expresses myself better or like helps you know more relatable to like others i guess as well
0: yeah yeah i mean for me songwriting has been an interesting thing i've always been very very about words. I mean, it's always been about the way that words mingle with one another. And for me, it's always about what I don't say. And I feel like I've gotten better at this over time. And I think this is a harder thing to do in hip-hop because it's kind of like what you're describing. I think that's a big part of it. When you have more words to work with, you kind of are forced to paint more of a picture.
1: Yeah, and it all has like rhyme more or less in a way that like rock or pop music like it usually rhymes I see what, yes i see what you're saying but it's not like you want those in dense like internal rhymes like you know like how like eminem does or whatever like you don't i, I actually do that somewhat in like my rock songs just because i like that style and i think more like indie singers songwriters maybe don't think of writing that way but it's like it doesn't have to be that way either no. you know
0: no and, and and you have a lot less of a template that would require that when it's rock music or indie mm-hmm. or metal or whatever it is. It, it, mm-hmm. Really even just having a band behind you gives you a big <laughs> leeway. You could be, still be doing hip-hop. Just having a band makes oh, yeah, a big difference. Yeah. So when it comes to that, like I remember, it's funny, because hearing you say that like brought it back to me. I remember thinking that as I was writing those Lemon Collie songs. Like, damn, dude, these are really... I can, I can pump these out easy. Because <laughs> they're so short. Like, it was yeah. so much less to write.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You, like you said... Two songs, two rap songs would be an entire album.
1: Yeah, it might be depending on like how long your songs are. Like, because like hip hop, you could do like a thirty-two bar verse. You could have like three of those in a song. Like, the amount of lyrics that is compared to just like an indie song, especially if you're like have a song that has like more long like held out notes and stuff too. Instead of like, because you know there's different styles of singing, you might want to like be more flowy and like hold out Mm. notes and words. Whereas sometimes you're a little more like choppy and like almost like a rapper sometimes you're somewhere in between So all things like you know I like to think about like if I'm writing a song like how I want the vocals to be presented in that way yeah um, I think but, my
0: experience with hip-hop actually affected the way I wrote indie quite a bit because if you listen to that album I'm not I, I think that's what made it work when I was making that music with the Lemon Collies was that they had their traditional indie approach Mm-hmm. but it had its own flair on it and then I came in with something that like I don't even really listen to indie music all the time mm-hmm. so I had this whole completely different take on what their instrumentals were right and I think that's honestly that's probably what ended up causing the rift towards the end was just that like yeah traditional indie was not what I was offering <laughs>
1: <laughs> and
0: yeah, yeah you were I pretty mean, wild
1: out there I remember it was cool though
0: I thank you. <laughs> I think that's what worked I think that's what drew people to what we were doing and I love those guys, and I wish them the best, but, like, yeah, yeah that was, to me, that was, it was a it was a really interesting thing for me to grapple with, is, like, because I knew I wasn't writing rap music, but at the same time, like, I don't, it, some of it sounded a little bit kind of like maybe Red Hot Chili Peppers to me, some of it sounded kind of like Cage the Elephant to me, mm-hmm. I feel like I drew from all kinds of things, but right. nothing in particular, and to me, that's what the best music does. So yeah. I think that the, the to, if you're writing music, whoever you are, like just go in with without preconceptions and just allow that instrumental to guide you because that's really where the sauce is. Like, don't think of it like this is a rap song or this is a rock song. Just think like, yeah. what is this song asking me for? Like, what could I provide on top of this that would accentuate what's already here the best? And that's yeah, that's that's one reason I really like how that stuff came out cuz I feel like I feel like it it, it was this weird indie hip hop fusion type of thing that mm-hmm. you don't really see done well that often.
1: Yeah. For and sure. and
0: and I think that now that you pointed out in your stuff, I guess I can really see a lot of I can't see hip hop influence in there. It's just yeah, it, if you, you do of like, have to look electric- for it a little bit because you it's it's not yeah it's years down the line. You're far separated from hip hop, Jemmy, right? Or are you still? Is there still rapping going on? I here?
1: mean, there's a I, there is a little bit of rapping going on for me, but not like a ton. I actually on one of the new Honey Riders songs, I do have like a verse that I actually rap, which would be like the first time in a long time that I would. actually actually have a verse that i like release to the public i on dan amboy uh my my roommate now i was i've collaborated with him like, like 10 years now at least he's a really good rapper he's got some albums out we had a collaborative album that released around the same time as phase which was my my last album is Jimmy hazeman it's called lazy eyes and uh there's a little part like a chorus on there that i rapped on it was just not much but like i came up with a couple little like Quick jabs of uh, in the chorus and like I'm on that, but um, like I said, I I don't I don't do too much rapping just because I like I don't know I'm like very obsessed with like rhyming and then like I get into that and then I'm just like I don't know I just feel like it's not like my forte to express myself the best for like all the other ways I have, but I find it fun. Like, I could do it more, I feel like, but I just don't for whatever reason. Like
0: You know what I, we should do is I should get <laughs> Jemmy on a Ruse track yeah, man. as a rapper. Yeah, I should it, pull the rapper out of you.
1: Yeah, you can, man. I, I, would, I would I would, like to try it. I guess I... Uh, honestly, I've just been kind of fucking, like, lazy with music over the last couple of years. Like, I feel like I just could... Compared to what I was, like, I, I don't know. I just, like, my production isn't quite up there. But I am, like, working on my my new a new album which i have quite a few songs like in demo form or and or like i I did release two new songs this year on spotify and like wherever else uh called shoulda known and ain't a crime to have no hope which both will most likely be on my my full-length album which will be released i don't really fucking know when to be quite honest probably maybe almost a year from now by the like the way i'm moving like six to eight months um so yeah i do i mean i do have some things in the work i have a new um hip-hop song that i'm working on with uh with dan you mentioned that and a couple uh of my other friends that are rappers in like detroit area they actually it turned into like a three-way collaboration it's like the beats like very similar to like kind of what my music honestly just jemmy hayes music sounds like but it's got guitar it's got synth and whatever i actually rap a little bit on the chorus too it's just like a chorus though it's not like a full verse so, yeah, I guess, like, rapper Jemmy is coming back just, like, a little bit. I mean, I also, my band has been known for, I don't know if you knew that we've done this, but uh, Eminem covers, um, so I... You did lose
0: yourself, right?
1: I've Well, yes, I did do that one, but I've done Real Slim Shady was, like, my go-to for a while, just because, like, I like that song, like, everyone knows it. So, like, I, we did that live a few years ago, and then, like, it turned into, we did it at Detroit by Detroit, which is, like... If you don't know, it's like uh, Detroit bands, Detroit area local bands covering f- like famous Detroit artists and they all get like a 15-minute set and like 10 bands go on for the night or whatever. I mean, technically, you're allowed to cover like a non-famous artist too. Like if I wanted to cover Ruse, I could cover Ruse, I guess, or whatever. But so we did Eminem. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck is this song? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we covered <laughs> Eminem. We got into the show as Eminem and uh, I, I think we did... Without Me, Real Slim Shady, Role Model, like from the Slim Shady LP, uh, Forgot About Dre, which was like Dan performed with us as well. Oh, you guys did a whole and lineup. Then, and then Lose Yourself. Yeah, it was like a medley. Like you did like just like a verse or two from each song. So I thought that would be more fun than just doing like a whole five minute song and just like the same thing over and over. I but think it,
0: so, especially if you're covering yeah, something for, like, yeah, like that. Yeah, for rap too,
1: I've just noticed that like rappers, hip hop artists, they usually don't do like a full three verse song when they're performing or like a lot of times I like cut it short and then go to the next song. So that was like kind of the approach I was taking. So anyways, it went over pretty well. I mean, there was like a little kid in the front row and I'm like talking about like, like, I don't know, having STDs and shit like, and like role models, like the lyrics to that are like pretty, like, <laughs> like they're pretty intense, but like, you know, just like classic, uh classic Slim Shady. If you're like, you know, you know, like that style or know what it is. So basically yeah, so I I was like I'm very good at like imitating and sounding like Eminem. It's a very weird thing. I was that like when I was a rapper from like, uh, seventeen, eighteen to like twenty years old, I was like, that was like my whole style. I was like I had other influences and stuff too, but I was like really good at like kind of sounding like that, and that's what I did. I'm, I'm, and there was I've like, got
0: that in me too, man. I I, I know I do because I've rapped some Eminem yeah. songs before, and I'm like, dude, I could cover these for a living. I I'm think, really good at rapping Eminem
1: songs. <laughs> <laughs> I think like any, especially like white rapper from Michigan, is gonna be like highly influenced by it because it's like part of your childhood and just like, you know, he is legitimately like one of the best rappers so it's like, how could you not? But yeah, so I've done that too with my band. Um, So people have seen me rap before but then like a lot of people don't expect it because they're just like, oh, you like, you just play guitar like an indie band or whatever, like you can do that too. It's like, yeah. It's like, I don't know, I have rhythm. Like it's just putting <laughs> words in order. I don't know.
0: Well, I think <laughs> it's an interesting thing too how people put people in a box like that because you're not in a box in your own mind. Like you have <laughs> crazy interests. Like you yeah. like this and this and this. So it's when you talk to somebody else and all of a sudden they have this interest you wouldn't expect. It's like, oh, I didn't. E-. Well, yeah, but that's how people work. <laughs> like everybody has interests. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, I, I never am too surprised when I hear that somebody like, like, unless it's crazy, like if you saw some like little girl who says she loves death metal, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I mean, tell me more. Girl who
1: loves- <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you never can uh, judge a book by their cover, I suppose. Exactly. Uh, you get to be young. Um, anything that's cool. crazy.
0: That's cool that they like that. I mean, it's cool that you like hip hop. It probably pull, and it does. You admitted to it. It pulls yeah. different things out of you that you put into your own music. So you, you yeah. have to imagine that everybody is a little bit of a smorgasbord of just I'm noticing more, even in
1: like hip hop too, like there's more. I guess electronic or like indie kind of psychedelic influences within hip hop. Like it's gone both ways. It's
0: expanded outwards. Like rock
1: has influenced hip hop. Hip hop -hop has influenced rock. Uh, Like even like Kendrick beats and like with like Thunder. Like I love like Thundercat and like his music, which I would almost describe as like sort of like indie funk. I I just use the term like indie as like a very broad, vague term, by the way. It doesn't really mean anything specific. I just mean like any music that I can't fully categorize that's like kind of independently made basically yeah but like uh yeah like thundercat like you know collaborating with like kendrick on some of his beats and like i love some of that shit i think it sounds awesome which is like um like i kind of like strive to like make things you know kind of sound like that if i was producing like hip-hop or like uh even my own music i think it just just crosses all over together and i think Uh, it
0: just goes with that thought pattern i was talking about earlier i think it's best when it's not even entirely a conscious decision like I don't think Thundercat's going in saying let's make something that Kendrick can rap over but yeah. more so like the jam just comes yeah. out that way. I mean
1: his bass playing is just like so like fucking on point that like it's it's just awesome. So it's just a, it's just a song that happens to have like rap on it but it yes. could have been a song that had singing on it too. Exactly. You know like there's no you couldn't categorize the instrumental which is some somewhat what I try to go for, at least sometimes. Not all, like sometimes it'd be like obvious that it would probably be more of like a singing indie rock song or whatever, but other times it could could go either way, you know?
0: Yeah, and I don't, I think that the best way to do it is to exist outside of that that genre. Like if you can, if you can mm-hmm. find a way to do a sound that is completely different than what people are used to, that's going to be the thing that, like, it doesn't matter if people notice it right away they might notice it 10 years from now that's because you're doing something different like right. the people who are who do different things uh, they they don't they don't go n- noticed right away and so it's it's tough to really be innovative because you have to you have to accept that like okay maybe people won't fuck with this right away but right. i know they might and i believe in it <laughs> i mean that's kind of how a lot of the shit Because the way I've been writing rap lately, I've been, a lot of rap doesn't, there's some rap that'll be a little bit existential or philosophical, but it doesn't hone in on that. I think a lot of rap is a little bit hokey, Mm -hmm. a little bit dancey, a little bit like, yeah. and, and I say this with all due respect, and I enjoy all of this rap, but there's just, to me, I think that rap can be something more phonetically based than it is something a little bit more interesting and i think some rappers do it better than others but there's a whole lot of people doing the dance even people who are really good at it and so what i try to do is step outside of that and make it something bigger than it is and allow it to be not just a rap song and not go by the traditional boundaries of rap like that verse i just rapped to you earlier yeah who the fuck is rapping about that type of shit nobody and so that's the battle I have in my head with that. It's like, well, I know for a fact there's not a market for this right now. <laughs> I know there's not.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's that. It's the uh, t- pull between trying to like, oh, I want to make like a poppy song that everyone's going to like versus like, oh, make it just a song that's like more experimental or cool. Yeah, but
0: I'd rather make the Thundercat Kendrick song, man. Yeah. I'd just rather do that because that song's cooler to me mm-hmm. than making that pop song. It's just cooler. I'd rather make the song that's like transcending whatever i i think music is before i made the song i want
1: to be like i almost feel like you need like a little bit of both honestly but it's like that's why like i always i'm like old school i think of music as more like making like albums so you're gonna have like your catchier poppier songs on the album then you're gonna have a few weird ones as well yeah And you can all you can just release them individually if you want as like singles like over time which you know i released a couple singles earlier this year but like i said like i plan on putting those like more like on a more cohesive like album eventually so that I feel like make the idea of like making an album gives an artist like a little bit more freedom to be like all right I'm gonna make those weird ones like I've made like nine minute songs before seven minute songs that like change and don't have a part that repeats like a chorus as much or whatever then I'm also gonna like write a few that have repeating choruses that I think are like kind of catchy and then like put it all on an album That way if you like my music, then maybe you'll like the the deeper cuts more. Like generally when I listen to like an artist, like I end up liking like their album tracks just as much or more than whatever their their hit singles were. Like Mm. if they're like a good artist, you know. It just takes more uh foresight to create all that.
0: It's just the problem with our climate nowadays is that you don't see a whole lot of people who are making albums and and then so it's harder to get that type of connection where it's like, Oh, I love track five and eight. (laughs) You don't see that as much now. Now it's like because I don't even, I'm not going to work on an album until I have a fan base that's going to listen to the whole thing. And right. I think a lot of artists think like that now. And so it's like, when that's the case, you you lose a lot of that. It, it, the other thing about albums I love is the the sequencing and the storytelling. Yeah, and the, uh, for sure. There's like so- kind of Track uh, order, right? Yeah, an album's grand. Like, an album feels big. Mm-hmm. And you just don't get that with singles. It's, impo- it's es impossible. Yeah. <laughs> With all that being said, I think this was a pretty good podcast. I think this is pretty good. I should I should let you get sure. to your axe throwing, my friend.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, you know, it's not going to get to itself, I guess, but no. no. These
0: axes do not throw themselves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe they could uh, with AI in the future. No, I don't, and, I don't
0: want that. <laughs> I don't want,
1: no, we don't want that. Can you uh, imagine
0: the AI, the axe throwing robot? <laughs>
1: The axe-throwing robot, yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, they're going to have to write a new rule if, like, someone gets, like, some mechanical thing installed on, like, their elbow and their shoulder to, like, make them throw perfect. Like,
0: I give it five years. Five I give year. it five years from 2023 when this was recorded. So <laughs> in 2028, we'll see if we got uh, if we got robotic arms for axe-throwing just yet.
1: We'll see, yes. But, yeah, I just want to say thanks for having me out here, man. I'll give you the good old-fashioned shake, you know, because uh, this is how we do it around here. Um, But no, yeah, we're gentlemen (laughs) and scholars, don't forget Um, (laughs) and aliens. Um, But no, seriously, thank you for having me on this and uh, chatting for a couple hours. It went by pretty fast. I can't believe it's been that long already, but I guess, you know, good at rambling at times when it when it needs to happen. So, well, when you have a gentleman and a scholar and you're talking about
0: Planet 69, how can you go wrong, (laughs) my friend? Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate you for being here, Jemmy. I appreciate you guys for watching. Dude, couldn't do this without any of you. So, I appreciate each and every one of you. Please, please, please show some love to this podcast if you enjoyed it. If you're listening on those streaming services, push that like button or whatever it is. Make sure you follow us. And I think Spotify even asks you, did you... In, they have a question thing now. Answer that question. Say, this was the best podcast I've ever heard. Say, these two aliens are the best aliens I've ever met. Say something, <laughs> say something funny, all right? I'll, I'm going to read it. You know I'm going to read it. Also... Uh, go do something cooler than me, okay? That's always what I want to leave <laughs> you guys with. Go go do something even better than anything we just did just right now. This was this mm-hmm. was just kiddie play, alright? I want you to go out in the real world and show us how it's done, fam. All right, all right, sounds like a deal. With all that being said,
2: Roo's Radio Clocking out. Ain't nobody good. Gonna-